fellow heroes, and welcome to the Digital Roundtable, where me, your host Mario, and my co-host Jeff, we uh, do a podcast about movies, video games, whatever else we like to talk about, mainly movies, and it's all improvised. So if you ever think that we have talking points, or if you ever wonder that we ramble too much, it's because, you know what? Moments like that where I just pause. I'm like, I don't know where I was going with that bit. Happen all the time. <laughs> no, but we, uh, uh, we we just watched. I just watched. Like, literally just watched. I'm like, if you're watching this live, which you can always catch us live at twitch.tv slash digitalhero101. Interact with us in the chat. Get in here. Do that. Jeff's making me drink some 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 drink drink. <laughs> Gotta make sure you're you're replenished after that crazy energetic ride you just went on. That's right. That's right. Or if you want to keep up to date on the date, we post these podcasts on the YouTube channel, same digital hero as well as your podcast service of choice. We're on Apple Podcasts and we're on Spotify, where you can find us at Digital Roundtable. Digital space roundtable one word. What did we mm-hmm. watch? What did, what did we? What did I just get done watching, Jeff? What, uh, it was. Uh, what, how do you say it? Malignant. 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 Uh, it's it, it's a medical term usually referring to uh, tumors. Really. So it's like when when you have a, a a tumor that is malignant, it is like dangerous to you. It is it is. De, uh, causing deficiency in your body. That's... When it's benign, that's like the word that you want to hear when you have tumor and cancer and, and that sort of stuff. Benign is like, yeah, it's it's there, but it's not like killing you. Malignant is you have a growth on you that is actively taking your life source away. Okay, okay, I didn't. Which which you know, kind of that's kind of like that we is won't the movie. spoil the movie right off the bat but <laughs> the title kind of gives it away a little bit mm-hmm. it really does uh okay okay so this is a movie directed by uh james wan yes and uh i have to thank jeff here because uh jeff actually did some prep work for us uh today and he uh he's got a playlist of, of things that will be that'll be running for you guys uh for you guys as fellow fellow viewers uh so thank you jeff for doing that let me um yeah this one uh, uh while you're still kind of because literally like mario said it but i just want to uh say again for the listeners mario is literally hot off the presses uh like an hour and a half ago uh, Sorry an hour about and a half guys. ago he texted me saying like hey man i just got home i'm starting the movie right now and i was like oh okay cool 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 and then like five minutes ago he texted he's like i just finished watching the movie i'm getting on now yes and now five minutes later we're streaming so, yeah so like he he is literally hot off the presses i i just got done watched it yeah i i wanted to watch it last night but i was i was a little busy wasn't able to uh, jump on there and uh, see the film. And then I was like, okay, I'll watch it in the morning. What's up, Bex? Thank you for the hydrate. Which, to be fair, th- this is, like, the fact that you're so hot up, like, like you you are so fresh and so raw from having watched this movie is kind of my fault because I texted you yesterday 
at like three or four in the afternoon and, and I texted you saying like, hey man, I just watched this movie. I don't know if you have anything planned for the podcast, but this might be a fun one for us to talk about. And I would have texted you earlier because I'll be honest, I watched this movie twice in the same day. Really? How long did it take you to watch this. it on your first viewing? Uh, straight through, actually. Oh, uh, look at you, Jeff. Uh, if you remember from last week's podcast, we, we got into my whole, my, my weird thing with horror movies, which is that I love horror movies. It's, it's, it's the genre of all genres that is my jam, Yeah. but I just don't like being startled. And that's kind of my problem with seeing horror movies, uh, like, first of all, in theaters where it's like really big and really loud, but also watching horror movies for the first time is like, I have to turn the volume down. Um, but this one, I did not have to... I mean, I still did it a little bit, yeah. but as the movie went on, I did not have that problem. And the reason for that we'll kind of get into once we like really get into the weeds of yeah. what's going on in this movie. But I, I hesitated texting you about it for a couple of hours because in my head, I was like, I, I do... Th there are things about this movie that I do want to talk to Mario about because I, I think... First of all, I, I think he might find the movie entertaining for some reason. Um, but th there were a lot of external factors that kind of stopped me from texting you immediately. And one of those factors is that for me personally, and, and, and I know I'm rambling, but I'm, no, this is like, I'm, this is a thing that, that, that sets up why we're doing this in the first place. Yeah. Uh, one of the, the, the factors that was holding me back from immediately saying hey we should do this for the podcast was for me a big reason why this movie works is james wan okay. the the director because it is such a departure from what he is known for and i was like well shit like i i can't recommend this to mario because he's gonna miss out on that like external God, factor no idea. he's he's gonna miss out on the meta-ness because he because, you know, we, we've talked about this, like you're not a huge horror guy and I know you haven't seen Saw or Insidious or The nope. Conjuring. And it's nope. like, well, but I, I learned a very important lesson yesterday. And this is kind of self-congratulatory because obviously it's a lesson I taught myself. Ooh. But I learned a very important lesson, which is that is my experience watching yeah. this movie. Yeah, That is not the experience of watching this movie okay. so many people are gonna watch this movie having no fucking clue what the conjuring is yeah or even that it, it's just, they're not even gonna know what the movie is in general like somebody's gonna be like hey man you want to watch this movie or like they're they're gonna treat hbo max like it's netflix or any other streaming service like hey looks like there's a new movie let's watch it whatever and they're not gonna ha have knowledge of that so it's like fuck it i need to stop living in this headspace of like Okay, Mario, I, I want you to watch this movie because I want to talk about it on the podcast, but we're going to put it off for like two weeks because you have to do homework. So <laughs> you have to watch these five movies because it's the same filmmaker, but also you have to watch a couple of these movies so that you understand the references that he's making in, in this movie. And, and it's like, well, if, if you do that, first of all, it's like mandatory fun because who wants to do homework before they watch a movie? But also... If I were to sit you down and be like, okay, in order for you to appreciate this movie, you have to watch these, this all these bunch of other movies, 
that's going to spoil it for you because you're yeah. like, well, clearly I'm being prepped. I'm being prepped for something, and then it spoils what the 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 twist is and what the, the right. movie itself is about in the first place. So I was like, you know, what, fuck it. I need to get out of my ass about people can only appreciate this movie if they've seen other movies. Like, fuck it. People are going to watch movies at different times in their lives. They're all going to come from different experiences, et cetera, et cetera. Screw it. And so I texted you. I was like, there are other reasons why I think this movie works for our conversation of it. So let's get into it. Let's get into it. Yeah. Uh, Ezio, thank you for the hydrate. I definitely got that in there for you. Uh, thank you guys for dropping in. Uh, this is... So I... Yeah, well, Jeff said I'm I'm very new to the to the horror genre. If you're if you've been part of the show, yes, we're going to be uh, we're going to do our first part of the show is going to be spoiler free. So don't uh, you know don't feel feel like uh, you need to know. We'll tell you our thoughts on the film uh, without spoiling anything, and then we're gonna go dive right into it, and we're gonna talk about the nitty gritty. I'm fresh off of it. I don't watch a lot of horror films. This adds another finger to the list of horror films that I can count Ooh. on one hand that I've seen, <laughs> you know, from beginning to end. Uh, yeah, so I'm I'm about to get to two hands at this point if I keep this up. Uh, you should start making an actual list. I really like, should. Make a, make a Google Doc. I think, like, just off the top of my head right now, I think I've seen Devil, It, Two. Oh, It, the first It, uh, Devil, okay. first It, and... I, I think I've seen um, what's that movie where they're on a roller coaster and stuff just happens and they die. Final it's like, Destination. Final 3? Destination. Yeah, I've seen final. I've seen one of the Final Destinations. That was on daytime television as a kid. Uh, well, that's funny if if you saw the third one completely free of context. Yeah. No, I just I saw it. It was like. And then I saw Candyman, and now I've seen this. Mm-hmm. Now I've seen other films like bits and pieces, but never like those are the films that I've seen like through the entirety. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Bad. So, yeah. I, I, I suppose so. I don't. I, it's not enough for me to like to like flex on it or anything, or to right. to to understand like how the genre is. Uh, but it, I, I, I think I've recently I've definitely learned something about myself. So this film, I'll go ahead and tell you. I know Jeff, you, you you've been waiting to hear what the, what I've had to say about this film. But this film uh, is, I I enjoyed it. I think the first, okay. yeah, like I enjoyed it. Like it wasn't. I didn't know what I was gonna watch. I uh, I thought it was gonna be more, I guess, scary. Um, but uh, how do I explain this? So like the film, okay, the film's scary. Don't get me wrong. Like the film, I wasn't scared. I watched it with Caitlin. Caitlin has probably seen less horror films than me. She was scared. Uh, she was sitting there watching it with me. There were parts where she was just like, okay. wah, wah, wah. but I was like, I was like, I'd be like, Kate, I'd be like, babe, like this person is literally a plot device. Like, the plot cannot move forward if this person dies right here, right now. Like, just don't worry. There's not... If there's a jump scare, it's it's literally... There's not going to be anything gruesome. Like, they're going to get out of this. <laughs> there's even, like, a part in the film where it's like, there's another character that you think is going to die. And then 
you know, you know, they they do the spooks of spooks stuff, and Caitlin's like, oh, she's she's dead, she's dead. And I'm like, no, 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 this person isn't dead. It's another, it's another, it's another plot device. Like, how is the plot going to move forward if if this person dies right here, right now? And then it, I I thought there was going to be like another like escape the escape the the big bad evil person scene, but instead it was just it literally just cuts to the next scene. I was like, oh, okay, well there there goes right. <laughs> there goes that yeah. suspense. <laughs> Uh, no, the food. Are you, ta- are you talking about when she's running around locking all the doors and there's that cool like? No, I'm shot? talking about the when when she goes to visit. Uh, not my words, Caitlin words. When she goes to visit Hogwarts. Oh yes, <laughs> that that that's something that that we'll kind of get into. But yeah, like there's I I was totally expecting like a big set piece. Yeah, of like oh me she's too. Gonna encounter and there's going to be a big chase sequence and da da da. But like no, a person <laughs> walks like... into a place. They find what they were looking for, and then they don't. Even, you don't even see them leave. It just comes no. to them at a location with the stuff that they were gonna get. Yep. <laughs> they just, so it's just like next scene. Get, like, I'll give a little sneak preview to to. I'm not gonna spoil it, but a little sneak preview. It's like at that point in the movie, it's like, bro, we're off the rails. We need to start doling out exposition to explain what's been going on. Yep. Yeah, let's go. Let's go. <laughs> yep. We're at the climax now. Uh, no, like, honestly, I would, I, I don't know, the only movie I can really compare this to, like, justifiably, is Candyman, right? And with Candyman, I didn't know what to compare it to. Mm-hmm. And Candyman, now that I've had time to think about it, uh, I, I think my problem with Candyman was it doesn't know if it wants... To be like a political statement, or mm-hmm. it doesn't know if it wants its monster to be a like uh, a, a statement, like learn this lesson, or if it wants the monster to just be a monster because it sends conflicting messages in Candyman, and that bothered me at the film and it confused me and like I still write I still don't know what like I mean I know what the message is but at the same time there are scenes in that in Candyman that make you like. They were like, but can you really say that after you did this? And, right. Uh, but this movie, uh, it it the monster's the monster. There's no, I mean, okay. So, for some of you who don't know, I live in Texas, <laughs> and uh, whatever time you're listening to this podcast from now, current events, Ted, Texas is, uh, they, I don't know, like I couldn't. I really, this is, I'm going to walk the line here a little bit, but people who watch my stuff know that I, I speak my mind. Um, this just kept making me think of, like, abortions and things like that. I don't know if it was supposed to do that on purpose or if it's just a coincidence, but I was like, there's no, like, message being sent in this film is what I'm trying to say. But I, I couldn't, I like to, and for those of you who have listened to me speak, I like to to give what I'm watching a deeper level of meaning uh, that I think is hiding there that might not even be there. But I know for a fact this movie wasn't trying to send a message. <laughs> like, Correct. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 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 however, no, like I, I, I had fun. Like the first part, the first act of the film and, the, and I texted you when I was watching the first act of the film, and I was like, this is giving me some mixed feelings, dude. Like, this, mm-hmm. like, like the, they have some 
they have the main actress is actually a, I've seen her in other stuff. Like I've seen her in Peaky Blinders. Uh, oh, okay. Uh, what's her name? Like she's her name is Annabelle Wallace. Annabelle Wallace. Okay, so like they have decent actors. Wait, is she British? Yes. Yeah, she yeah. Yeah, okay. she is. Peaky Blinders. She's on the Tudors. Okay. Yeah. Like she's in stuff, but the first act especially, and like going on to the second act, I was thinking, man, their line delivery really reminds me of Star Wars prequel movies. And yeah, perfect. <laughs> Uh, they, uh, Kate, I wasn't going to bring that up because I didn't want her identity to be like that. But yes, uh, as Chad is saying, she's married to Chris Pine. Oh, interesting. And Chris good, Pine. Good for her, man. <laughs> yeah, right? I want to be married to Chris Pine. I mean, if you're going to marry an actor, let it be one of the Chris's. Come mm-hmm. on now. You know, Marvel almost has all the Chris's. They might get all of them. I forget. He he's in talks for somebody for something, but they do. It's like getting the Infinity they, Gauntlet they for something. <laughs> it's like the oh, it's like getting the Infinity Gauntlet. <laughs> <laughs> if we if I can get all the Chris's in one scene, it in one be movie world domination. It, that would that would be it. I could I could die the next day happy. Uh, no, yeah, she's married to Chris Pine. Who, if you don't know Chris Pine, he. In the um, uh, new Star Trek films done by J.J. Abrams, he plays as Captain Kirk. Uh, And he does a couple of other things, too. But I, for me, that's the first thing that (laughs) pops in my mind. (laughs) Uh, So, no, they have, like, really good... They have good act a- actresses, and, and I don't know some of the other mm-hmm. actors in the film, um, but then you get into the third act, I'm like, oh, okay, okay, I can see why some of the line deliveries were... But uh, So, I, the reason I bring up Star Wars prequels is, one, because I've made it my goal to talk about Star Wars every single, mm-hmm. uh, like, every single time. Did you sneak a Fast and Furious trailer in this... I did not, because James Wan directed Furious 7. Oh! That was, that was his first foray into, like, look at me, I'm this quirky indie horror director, and then this is him kind of jettisoning into, uh, like, a, a big studio movie. Same, same thing with the way that Marvel does everything, where, you know, a uh, director does, like, a independent art house drama and they're like hey we want you to come make movies with us and it's and and the interesting thing like if you i'm like like, recognizing some of the shots yeah oh my gosh like the color correction (laughs) yes like the it kind of has that grayscale kind of desaturated look it's like oh it's it's interesting because like having watched uh malignant now uh, oh my god! Obviously, I've been thinking about Furious Seven because, as everybody knows, you and I love the Fast Saga. Yeah, we do. But I was like, wow! Like as much as Furious Seven really fits into that whole franchise, like there's a lot in there that's like this is absolutely a James Wan film, right? Like I'm looking at this, I'm like, I recognize that shot in Malignant, or I, I, or not that exact shot, but I recognize that style. There's like a style yeah. even in. Because I know this, I, I can't say that he probably did the trailer. They could have outsourced the trailer to someone else. But obviously the trailer has to use scenes from the film. And that scene where, like, you know, Rock picks up 
the you know uh and body uh, slams jason statham, jason statham yeah. and then he reaches for the gun and the zoom in on the gun with the camera turn that's yeah. exactly like in the film where they have uh you know they have the car driving up to the driveway and it does like this panel to the left i was like i've never seen that before why why have mm-hmm. i never seen a shot like that before what the heck <laughs> it's like, it's just, uh, james wan likes his intense camera work yes I noticed. Okay, okay. Anyways, I saw the. Fa- I'm. I okay. That's that's interesting. I didn't realize he did. See, I'm. Yeah. I'm still learning. Directors. Okay. I'm glad you made this trailer. Thank you, Jeff, for putting in that extra. That's nice of you. Again. Well, and, and again, the, the the reason I wanted to include this because uh, again, I I don't want the. I, I promise you. <laughs> it, it as much as I love myself, I I promise you, I don't want this to turn into the Jeff lecture hour where it's just me monologuing my college thesis about James Wan as a, as a filmmaker. But the reason I wanted to like give you this playlist is because a lot of him as an artist factors into why this particular film, Malignant, is doing what it's currently doing in in Hollywood. Right oh, now. okay. Because, I mean, it, it, it's not a big explosion, you know? Like, it, it's not yeah. like, oh my god, the, the world... It, it's not Endgame or, right. or anything like that. But there is, a, it, there is a big conversation happening around it right now. Interesting. I want to hear more on that conversation later. But uh, back to yeah. my point where... Uh, so I bring up the Star Wars prequels because, one, I've made it my mission to talk about Star Wars every podcast. But, two, <laughs> George Lucas uh, does this weird thing that he said in an interview once that made me think about I, – I don't – I'm not saying this, like, redeems the Star Wars prequels. But I'm saying, okay, this is what he did. And, like, what he did was he didn't think of dialogue as – um, I guess dialogue. He sound, he thought of it as another sound device in for the film. So uh, especially if you're thinking about making a film that's for like kids, as what George Lucas would say for children. Um, mm-hmm. You know, when they're talking about politics, when they're talking about like the Trade Federation or yada yada, and you, there's they he makes sure that every person has like a certain tone. Like you know the tone. You you know what. There are very iconic sounds in Star Wars, and if you just play a sound from Star Wars, like, if I just play a lightsaber lighting up, even someone who's never seen Star Wars before would probably be like, oh, that's a lightsaber, right? Or if I, if I shoot a blaster, if I, because he, he worries, George Lucas loves sound so much. And I was thinking about that in, the, in this film, like, that, this really brought me up, because I texted Jeff, and I was like, dude, it feels like some of these shots, because I know, I've seen some of these actors and other things... And I'm not the type. I, I don't want this to be a show. No, I I don't want to be the type of person that just like harps on people's work, right? Like I don't want to be. Like, oh, dude, that this was horrible, man. This show was bad. Like, right? Like, but I got the same vibe. Like, whenever they would talk, the the line deliveries really did feel like oh, okay. Like, all right, we we tried like two or three times. All right, next, let's just let's just go. I liked it. You know, I've. We got to set up for the big, you know, uh, scary. We got to save money for the big Jaws giant yeah, uh, shark. You, and uh, and I was you like, texted me something like, yeah, it feels like they just used the first take of everything. But then there are also <laughs> cool shots. So I don't know what to think. I don't know what to think. There's like really cool shots. Like there's a shot of her running through her house and he has mm-hmm. it's top down. And I'm like. 
that is an amazing. I like. I love. I haven't seen that since uh, a TV show about. Uh, God, I can't think of the TV show right now. It's like a TV show about hackers. Um, they do the same thing, and the whole show is like a one shot. Uh, it's gonna. It's gonna hit my brain later. Uh, Mr. Robot. Mr. Robot. I haven't seen a shot like that oh, okay. since Mr. Robot. And that sounds like a very Mr. Robot shot, because <laughs> that show has some very um, intricate, uh, fascinating cinematography. Oh, it's so good. I, I recommend Mr. Robot to a lot of people. Go watch it if you haven't seen it. Mr. Robot's yeah. great. And But then I realized the, the movie, as I get into the third act, I'm like, okay, the first act is starting to make a lot more sense. Like, the first... Because they just want... He, like... You just need to understand the mood for the film. Because the film, there's no, and I, and I said this before, there's no depth to the film. And I don't know if a lot of horror films are like this, mm-hmm. but it's very much face value. And it's like, James Wan knows his audience. He's He knows he's going for like yes. a general audience. And he knows what is, he like, you, you can tell, like, okay. Uh, and by the time I got, like, halfway to the second act of the film i wasn't even bothered by the dialogue anymore like i was like okay this is because it stayed consistent it wasn't like there were some scenes were that like were on just bored at that point right i was on board because yeah because at first i was like dude this what is like what am i watching like what am i watching is this <laughs> like this is but then by the second act you, you get into you're like it's because it's consistent and if it wasn't consistent right <laughs> I would be upset. I'd be like, man, this movie sucks. Uh, no. And and I enjoyed it. Uh, and it was like, okay, this is deliberate. There's no way. <laughs> There's no way this is not deliberate. Uh, Mario, my, my heart right now is like the Grinch. Oh, yeah? Like, it just grew three sizes because what you're s- describing is exactly how I felt. But... I'm glad that it works for you as like a person who's just watching a movie as opposed to like me who, and, and I'm, I'm going to be bold enough to just say, I speak for like the horror community right now. Yeah. That's do what it. Podcast do is. It. It's just us talking, but who cares? Um, <laughs> because I, I think that that's exactly how we felt too, because like we'll get into the specifics, but like the, there's that prologue. Like yes. The opening scene oh, that takes place in 1993. It's so over the top. And, but then it cuts to present day. It made me laugh and, so hard. Yeah. And, and, and I think, like, th- there's this interesting thing where, like, this the movie kind of takes this... It, it, it has an evolution to it. Where yes. it starts as one thing, and exactly like you said, like, you hit a certain point and you're like, I think this is happening, and, and then you got on board with it. Mm-hmm. Where my head was going was like, Oh my god, he's fucking lost it. Oh my god, like like James Wan is it he oh my like he he's the well has run dry. Like it's official. He had only so many good films in him and now he's done. But then just like you, I was like, "Oh my god, fuck, this is intentional." Because <laughs> I had to remember cuz literally dude, in the first 5 minutes, like it, 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 Oh, it's so hard to not talk about spoilers. <laughs> it really is. Like, we'll get like, there. We're almost there. In the first five minutes, I was just like, what are you doing? James, no, buddy. 
come on like like we had a deal you, like it, it, and i'm so glad that you brought up star wars because it was literally like you were the chosen one <laughs> because like again and, and we'll get into this later as well but like he is such a master of the craft of he knows exactly how to shoot he knows how how the film yes. should be cut together and edited oh, and, and 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 again like j- just to kind of tease you for uh potentially widening um uh, your love for horror movies, this yeah. is not at all a good representation of that. Really? Like, what, what he like what he is doing here is a complete left turn. This is him uh, making a completely different movie than what he usually makes. It's him referencing different filmmakers and different horror movies that he I does was, not usually reference. I was so, about to like, say, when, when there were a lot of scare movies and, yeah. and, and, and I'm glad that you said, like, I didn't find this movie particularly scary. Yeah. That is also the point. Like, he's like, I've done that. Like I've done the thing where I set up these big jump scare moments. And yeah, there is some of that tension building, you know, there where is. it's like people like a, a blender goes off and somebody's like what's that and then they walk into the kitchen and then oh my god i heard a noise in the attic i've got to go check it out and right there's some of that but technically there are no jump scares in this movie everything is very telegraphed and uh, again like a, a thing that james wan does not do in any of his other like there's some blood here and there yeah. but his movies are like you would not call them violent even saw like Saw like is known for being this gory, over-the-top franchise. Not in the first one, my dude. Really? And, and, and again, like the first one, it's it's very, it's violent in subject matter, but in terms of what you see, you don't really see anything. Like yeah, you, like it, there's blood, there's like blood splatter and, and and that sort of stuff, but like there's no intestines or decapitations or brain matter. Like it's not a mm, violent okay. visual movie. Whereas this is especially when you get to the end my god yeah. is just balls to the wall and so I, I, I i'm rambling i'm gonna stop no you're fine my, my point being i'm glad that you had the same experience that i did even though we were coming at it from different from different directions. angles okay yeah 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 and and the thing was so towards the end of the first act i think caitlin was like going through like the same thing that i was going through because she looked up she was also avoiding a potential jump scare but she looked up Mm -hmm. a like the reviews and she showed me the reviews and it was like the audience score on rotten tomatoes like 30 percent, and then the the critic score is like 70 percent. and i was telling i was like ah don't show me that i don't like to i don't like to see reviews before i go see a movie because i don't want my opinion to be like jaded or skewed um but then i was like I, even with that, and I think I've grown because that's been something I've been doing for years. But I think I've watched enough movies that where I can see something, I can see a number, and I won't let it affect my opinion. Um, but I can I can understand why the audience score may be the way it is. However, I do have to agree with the critics on this one. I think this film is well deserving of a of a seven seven point five, if not an eight. Uh, I, 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 like just watching on its own again, the film is very face value. I would give it a higher score if it, if it did something like talked about abortions for me, you know, like like if it, if it was like a, if it did something like that, but it is a, is a face value film. You can tell the director knows his audience and you can tell the direct, like exactly what you were saying, Jeff, like he set things up like 
dominoes from the very beginning and it all played out to the very third act and it you can't like i can't get mad at the movie for doing such a good job at being a movie (laughs) it it did exactly what it set out to do and and you you know just like what you were saying like it might have been somewhat better if it like actually had a message and had something to say and it doesn't it's, it's need one though. Be- like, not well, every movie but, but needs a message. Interesting. Well, well, yes, exactly. Like, like that's uh, uh, first and foremost. But even the because we're still in technically non-spoiler territory. Yeah. The last lines of this movie kind of try to be about something. Right. Like what the main character says to her sister. And, and it kind of brings the, the theme of the movie full circle. <laughs> yeah, but it's, yeah. I, and again, like, this is something that, like, here's what I have in my head. I, 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 I The other thing about this movie is I don't want to watch interviews with James Wan. I want to believe this is all meta. Um, and, and, and I don't want to watch an interview and have him... Con- like, I want to believe that this is full tilt. I'm in on the bit. You know what I mean? Right. So when the main character says what she says that is the final line of the movie, and it's kind of trying to be about something, and it's yeah. wrapping it up, I want to believe that that's a joke. It, that it's like, oh, get it? That's the moral of the story, and that's what the movie was all about from the beginning. I had the same thoughts, dude. I was like, the more you know. Like, I-, I was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> oh, oh, well, shit. I mean, given the... The, the bananas, bonkers, off-the-rail madness that I've been watching for the last t- 15 minutes. Like, sure. <laughs> Let's throw some message in there. Because, because. <laughs> I, it... <laughs> uh, yes. No, I, I agree. I had the same thoughts. It's funny, yeah. It, I think it's hilarious how we have the the same, like, reaction to, like, the same parts of the the film yeah that's great what would you what what were your thoughts on the like overall what's your overall my uh overall i would say i don't even know if i can i I don't even know how to recommend it actually I, i will say this just watch it yeah would you recommend it would you recommend it it's it's difficult to recommend yeah you hesitated to recommend it to me uh it there are a lot of it's very it's i have a conditional recommendation and because i i okay (laughs) it's it's hard because i've i talked to a lot of my coworkers today about this movie and nobody had seen it except for me, so that was like very troubling because I was like, "Oh man, I want to talk about this movie, but nobody watched it. Did nobody watched the movie?" Um, but when I talked to everybody, the conversation was completely different between everybody. Yeah. Um, and I and I feel like that's the thing is like, okay, if I'm talking to TJ, here's the amount of information I'll give him. Because I think that that's what he needs, and I'll recommend it. But, yeah. And, and if I'm talking to Brianna, it's a different story. If I'm talking to Michelle, it's a different story. And I feel like it 
that kind of speaks to what makes this movie great is that like would i recommend it to answer your question yes <laughs> but with stipulations everyone is going to get a different experience out of it based on the types of movies that they like yeah um and the 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 sort of main thing that I want to talk about, or, or I'll, I'll, I'll save that because that's a, that's not answering your question. Okay. Um, so yes, to answer your question, would I recommend this? Absolutely. But know that that recommendation is coming from me and take uh, that baggage with you how you will. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but you did, you, did you like the film? I did. Okay. I, I loved it. Um, but it was a different film at the end than it was when it began. And I... I, I don't know about that. But I, I want to talk about that in the spoiler version. I'm... I, okay. Uh, the... The... I, oh, to wrap up, <laughs> the non-spoiler version. So, this film... I do agree with the critics on this film. I think this film is well-deserving of its praise. Uh, for reasons that I've stated before, it's consistent throughout the film. I um, And it... Even when you're watching it, there's still the, the sense of suspense. It gives you everything you would want out of a horror film. Uh, and it's very face value. When I mean by face value, it's a movie that uh, is having fun with itself. Uh, that's there's nothing and I think that can be enjoyable um, I think especially mm -hmm. whenever you're watching other stuff you can uh, you can get lost in watching things that could be too artsy or too you could have someone saying that the Marvel films are not uh, good cinematic things again recently <laughs> but <laughs> those are just theme park rides yeah there's nothing like oh yeah well, am I supposed to not like a theme park ride uh, so would I recommend this film I would, coming from someone who doesn't watch horror films, and I'm not going to be able to say that for long if I keep doing this podcast and keep talking to Jeff, um, <laughs> coming from someone who, who's new to the horror genre, yes, and uh, this is, take this with a grain of salt, what I'm about to say. This movie, in my opinion, had a lot of horror tropes, like a lot of tropes, like stereotypical stuff that you've probably seen on SpongeBob or you've probably seen like growing up on maybe commercials have used them. Like you see something and you're like, oh, this has been done a million times. And you, you, you can't help but have that feeling because you feel like you've actually seen it a million times. Or if you were to make a horror film, those would be the first things that you would do. Uh, so it has a lot of horror tropes. So I think, like, if you even if you're not into horror or if you are into horror, this is something that can do that. Uh, I think I'm starting to learn that horror films have like plot twists. Like they they just I don't know if that's just normal for them, but um, they have plot twists or there's like this mystery. And it's like so that's what it's not so much the horror that intrigues me in horror films, but the mystery behind the horror film that's really intriguing me and I, I wonder if that's like the secret sauce to horror films or what we'll see by watching more um so i would i would recommend this i think this is i think this movie fits a general audience um so if you want to get into horror films this would be this would be uh, this is a fun watch <laughs> it's goofy mm -hmm. it's silly uh, the best way I can compare it to is if you've kind of seen the Sam Raimi Spider-Man films and you know those really corny parts that you go back and you watch 
and then you're like you're like man this did not age well this movie kind of does that in some areas uh but again when you get like halfway through the film you're like oh this is intentional and then you kind of like at least i hope it's intentional and you uh you just enjoy it for that it has some awesome shots i don't know what the budget of this film was but i could because i've my eyes been kind of trained to see certain things um the fact that you noticed the raimi influence just made my heart skip a beat <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want to interrupt you, so I just no. it. Oh, that's good. That's good. Yeah, no, I, I, I saw I saw some of that. Uh the, like Yeah, I would recommend it. Um and this is coming from a guy who doesn't really watch horror films, so uh you'll have fun with it. I'm not saying it's gonna blow your mind or anything like that, but I am saying you'll you'll enjoy it. And if you don't enjoy it, I understand why. Because it is a very Yes. It can be corny, and that's the best way I can explain it without spoiling the film. So, with that being said, if uh, if you don't want to be spoiled, go watch the film right now. Uh, if you're if you're listening to us live, hey, it's like it's nine o'clock. It's almost ten o'clock our time. This is the perfect time to to go get some spooks in. And if you are listening to us in the podcast, well, we're about to move over to the spoiler version. Oh. I do. Alert. Uh, I'm going to try something new. Uh, hey. Hey, uh, Jeff. Mm-hmm. So, you know what I've been uh, thinking about recently? What's that? Wouldn't it be cool if, like, we could live a fantasy adventure and do some role-playing with our friends? Are we about to do an ad read? Yes, we are, but without anything to read. <laughs> What? Yeah. Are we sponsored? See, Jeff, that's the that's the thing. Whenever us, uh, if we were sponsored, I would then uh, say plug in the name of the sponsorship right now. But instead, I'm gonna do a shameless plug. You know, you enjoy listening to me and Jeff talk about movies and films. Well, maybe you should go check out our other podcast where we play Dungeons and Dragons with a group of our friends. It's great. How much does it cost? Absolutely nothing but your time. So, you, whenever you want to get over there, just roll to start. All right, that was that. Was, <laughs> I couldn't help myself. <laughs> okay. Uh, spoilers. I was like, are we sponsored by Raid Shadow Legends? Ooh. <laughs> Is this another sponsorship? Spoiler <laughs> territory. So. Good practice for ad reads, if nothing else. <laughs> right? I was like, just feel the bit and go for it, man. I figured you would. <laughs> this is why I love talking to you. It's uh, fun. The... Yeah, no, me and Jeff... I, I actually started putting improv in our tags list because nothing about anything we do is scripted. No, and, and and I'll be honest, dude, I was tempted to take notes for this one, but I was like, b- because again, I was like, I have so much that I want to say about this movie, but again, this is not the Jeff hour. 
Like, this is not my time to shine. This is you and I having a conversation. So I'm just going to have those thoughts in my brain. If they come out, they come out. If not, oh well. <laughs> you know, man, don't, if, if you're that passionate about something, man, don't ever, don't, don't hold back. I mean, if it's too much, I'll be like, yo, Jeff, like, wow. Wow, dude. Like, you're obsessed with this, dude. Like, bro, start your own stream and have me on as a guest. Like, there is a balance to this. Good God. God, man. Oh, jeez. Oh. Uh, okay, so there's something you said that we should... I, 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 I want to bring up so that you can remember to talk about it later. But you mm -hmm. said that the beginning of this film is not like the ending of the film. And I do want to get back on that. I disagree. I think they're the same. We're going to talk it out and see if we can uh, see if we can get there. What I'm doing right now is a little technique that I'm trying to <laughs> practice. It's where I, I get the viewers hooked on something that they can get the answer to later on in the show. Or the episode, or whatever I'm making, and it makes them stay to listen longer. So I, and then when okay. we get to that part, you know, then we talk it out. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I told you, if you listen to my show, I tell you guys everything. I tell you guys too much. <laughs> I, I want to tune out of the podcast, but they set up a thing, so now the, I have said, to know what he has to say about the thing. They said the, 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 they, they disagree. I did you see if they disagree? <laughs> so. The beginning of this film scared me, but not in the I'm scared, hold me kind of way. In the what am I about to watch? Is the rest of the film going to be like this? What is uh, happening? Are, are, are you talking about the prologue? The prologue. Like before, before the credit sequence. Yes. Okay. So we're, we're in like Batman and Robin territory of like big, scary asylum on the side of a, a cliff. Yes crazy supernatural things running amok um the the <sighs> something they never explained or maybe they explained it and i missed it she just has like superpowers you know um <laughs> like, let, let's we're, we're in spoiler territory so we're, we're gonna t for people listening we're gonna talk as if you've seen the movie uh that's a question that I had at the very end, which is like, so, so, uh, uh, like, not to divert what you're what you're setting up. But no go. Yeah, let's just let's just skip to the end, which is, so she's finally free of Gabriel, and it's like, but wait a minute, like, you dislocated all of your bones <laughs> to allow you to like move backwards as if you're walking forward. You also have superhuman strength. Because you threw a fucking hospital bed at your sister. You also have... Electromagnetic... Yeah, Radio waves. Uh, you also have a 25 in dexterity because you're able to parkour down a fire escape. Yeah. You're also like, durable, like, as like, Luke Cage. Ma'am, ma you are an Avenger. I was thinking the same thing. I was like, dude, <laughs> like, recruit her. She, she is... She, because in the beginning of the film, they're showing off this this monster that's just like kicking every, all the security guards' ass, and yeah, I'm like, oh wow, this is and uh, mind you, it's 
I like it because it makes you doubt yourself when you're like trying to put the puzzle pieces together, right? So around mm -hmm. the end of the first act, um, um, probably the beginning of the second act. Basically, whenever Gabriel kidnaps his mom, so Gabriel goes into like this uh, tour guide, kidnaps this tour guide, ends uh -huh. up being his birth mother. Uh, that's a plot twist for later. But around the time where Gabriel's dressing up and putting on the clothes, and you know, right. I was like, oh, it's the main character. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. I was I, now. I'm, I'm going to be 100% honest and transparent. I did have my doubts. Like, the movie does such a good job that, like, I had my doubts. And I was like, maybe it's not the main character. Maybe it is the main character. Maybe, but what solidified my, my doubts was whenever she was going to cut the cake. So there's a moment where Gabriel is supposed to be presumed as an imaginary friend. And I was like, well, mm -hmm. if Gabriel's an imaginary friend, who's going on and doing all these murders? And I was like, maybe he's a manifestation of her psyche. And she, like, summons him without realizing it. And I was like, maybe it's not her? Because Gabriel did, you know, destroy her husband. And, <laughs> like, and they said that it was the equivalent right. of being into a car accident. And so I was like... What? Well, okay, maybe it's not her. So I did doubt myself multiple times during the film. But then the moment where like they're like, all right, cut. Gabriel's like cut the cake, and then like everything shifts, and it's like she's about to cut into her her pregnant mom's belly. I was like, oh, okay, okay, no, I was right. It was her. And so yeah. no, so that moment, yeah, where Gabriel puts on the trench coat and puts on his superhero costume, and uh, <laughs> I I was like, oh, okay, they're hiding the monster. But this is telling me that they're going to show more of the monster because they were hiding it really well before making it really dark and making it like almost kind of like the grudge in, in some aspect. Yeah, because you got the long hair. Yeah. And, and I was like, I was like, but he's walking backwards. And I was like, oh, OK, it comes out of her head. Like, I, that's why she's walking backwards. And that's why. So yeah. Like, yeah. And so there's a lot of weird movement with mm -hmm. the the physical representation of Gabriel throughout the film where you're like, wait, like, is he going back? Wait, is he upside down? Is it, is, is he back? What? Huh? Yeah. Like and there's then, some parts where you're like, yeah. he's not backwards, but he is backwards, but he, and, uh, yeah. so I, I clocked it, but I didn't. So in the beginning of the film, there's, <clears throat> there's, there's this whole thing and it's very dramatic. I mean, very dramatic. Like, it reminded me of watching the Halloween trailer where the girl from Halloween's like, all right, we're going to hunt down Jason. Or not Jason. Uh, Michael. Michael. We're going to hunt down Michael and we're going to, you know, we're getting him now. And uh, I was like, is this an action film? Like, what has happened? Like, why am I? Mm -hmm. And it was really gory. And then even the opening credits were gory. And I'm in, I'm in the middle. I'm like, I'm in the middle of eating barbecue. And I'm like. Huh. And I dip it in some barbecue sauce and continue eating. And, <laughs> and, mm, num -num. and I'm like, oh, oh, yeah, gore. Oh, brain. Oh, spinal fluid. Okay. Oh, man. Oh, this is some good barbecue sauce. Just oh, all shit. sorts of viscera and brain matter. And so, and then she does, she even has a catchphrase. She, 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 she's like, let's cut out this tumor. And I was like, yeah. 
I was like, what the fuck? That's so cool. And then right before it did that, you know, good old, we, we got to mention good old Marcus. They showed a Dutch angle. I was like, man, a fucking Dutch yeah. angle. <laughs> Dutch angle. <laughs> and for those of you that don't know, I'm on camera. Uh, imagine, so for on the podcast, just listen to the sound of my voice and follow my instructions. Uh, imagine <laughs> that I am using my hand to frame my face right now. A Dutch angle is if you turn that like 25 degrees. So yeah, imagine so if you just yeah. tilt your head to one side, but that's what that's the, movie the looks like. Right. Everything else is upright, but your head's tilted sideways. So everything's sideways. That's a Dutch angle. Uh, yeah. And they're usually used to tell you when something's wrong. But this film, I caught two of them that bothered me. There's And they were just like, it was like one right outside her house after the prologue, at, at, but while the husband was still alive. And then the second one was whenever mm-hmm. uh, Gabriel was murdering everyone. But I think they still worked. I mean, they worked better than they did in Thor. So, you know, that's, that's, <laughs> that's all I needed. Uh, and they're really quick. <laughs> They're really there just to make you feel. And that's the thing. Like, that's what this movie did that I noticed. Like, the the sound cues and the camera movement was done so well. It's like, all right, this is where you're supposed to feel uneasy. And boom, he melds the cinematography with the music design. And it, it just fits. And I was like, so the catchphrase comes off. The Dutch angle works for me. The lighting's really good. The camera movement's awesome. And I'm like, I don't get it. <laughs> like, how and, can... And then, and then from there, it kicks into this, like, super rock industrial music playing under the opening credits. Yes! Where it's like... Where it's like Nine Inch Nails and... Like, basically what you would hear in, like, a late 90s, early 2000s, yep. like, cool, like, edge. it's like Rob Zombie early in his career, in, in his musical career, you know? It's like that very kind of new, that metal, it's, it's like, not Limp Bizkit, but, like, the, what the goth kids were listening to when all the cool kids were listening to Limp Bizkit, you yep. know? Which, again, for a James Wan film, is, like... What the fuck is happening? I think he's <laughs> lost it. Uh, because again, just just a, and I won't get like too uh, uh, t- taken away with myself about it. But James Wan horror films are very sophisticated. Okay, um, I, I can see it, that. I can see where it that very much takes place in the real world, and when it gets fantastical. So, so uh, the Insidious movies specifically, because I maybe a horror fan will listen to this and is going to like point their finger at me. So I want to make sure that I'm crossing my T's and dotting my I's here. <laughs> but there is some crazy imagery in the Insidious films. Like there's a fucking like red devil running around like a workshop at one point. But the catch is... All of the craziness that takes place in the Insidious films is because the characters are under hypnosis. Oh. So the idea is like, okay, so so without getting like too in the weeds of a different horror film, like uh, the main character, one of the main characters in Insidious, uh, his son is currently being possessed by a demon. Yeah. And he has, and and the the psychic that they bring in as a consultant 
explains your son is possessed and he is in the sunken place or or, or no sunken places get out yeah yeah but something very similar where like yeah, he's, your, in, your he's son, in the upside down yeah your son is in the upside down so then they put the father under hypnosis and suddenly the father is in the upside down and it's like this weird like open space with like fog and like all of the and he like walks into his own and it's lit, actually upside down is a very good example uh, it, it looks like the upside down. It's very foggy, very moody, very creepy, like that sort of thing. Oh, okay. And then there's like creatures running around and all this kind of stuff. And like it gets a little bit bananas. But as a viewer, you're kind of okay with that because it's like, oh, well, he's inside of his own mind. So you can show me whatever imagery you want because this is taking place inside of someone's head. This yeah. isn't really happening. Because then it's like three, two, one, snap, and the and the father wakes up, and it's like, I saw him. He was there. Oh my god, something was trying to get him. We we, we got to help him. You know, like that sort of thing. So in the real world, nothing's really happening. That's where this movie is a complete departure for James Wan because oh, okay. no, 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 there's a fucking person wearing a leather jacket and gloves with a fucking trophy knife, with like weird brain matter face with freaking eyeballs and little tiny mouse teeth sticking out yeah like running around stabbing people like literally that entire chase scene in this movie where the cop is chasing him down the fire escape and through like all the underground of Seattle. it's like oh this is happening this is real and like i said earlier like the other thing about james wan films is that it's very much like like the conjuring is literally rated r for being too scary huh like, like, it's an R-rated movie, and, like, I, I think at one point there's a ghost that pops out and is like, look what you did to me! And, like, she has uh, scars on her wrist because she's haunted by the fact that somebody made her kill herself. And I think at one point someone who's being possessed, like, starts to cough up blood. But for the most part, that's it in terms of violence. But this movie... Like, there's so many forearm breaks and oh, people yeah. getting their limbs cut off and, like... It, like she punches through someone's torso at one yeah point. she sits on somebody's head and demolishes her like it's just so balls to the wall she uh she turns into omni-man for a little bit you know like exactly <laughs> and, and dude, it, it turns into a freaking like matrix movie it or, does or something, you know it's like, like rated r matrix sequence. yeah very well the matrix movies were rated r but this is like no we're gonna like up the violence like we're Wait. gonna be like freaking brutal matrix was rated r oh yeah what oh no what yeah yeah dude all, all three of them no way Hold, i'm googling this right now i i i you, you i believe what? Now you that i think about it doesn't make sense oh no because <laughs> <laughs> this is during an era where so they are this. rated r this whole I time, this. I thought... I'm so sorry. I'm sorry. I'm going to interrupt you. I thought my first rated R film was Troy. It's actually been Matrix the this Matrix. whole time. Huh. What? So, I, I remember this. The Matrix came out at a very sensitive time because I don't know uh, where you were at the time of this, but The Matrix came out after Columbine. Or, no, no. Wait a minute. No, that doesn't make sense. It came out before Columbine because people cited The Matrix as being responsible for Columbine. Um, but yeah, dude, like the, the Matrix came out at a weird time. Where, I don't know. I don't know. 
I started saying something, but like now that now that you're expressing shock over this, I am equally kind of like <laughs> there's not really anything R-rated about the Matrix there other than not. it's too intense for teenagers it's to wrap like, their heads around. Compared to some compared to some PG thirteen films. Yeah, compared to this, or compare it to a Marvel film. Like, compare it to some of the stuff. Like, if you told me, or if you if you went back in time, back to, like, 1990 or something, and you showed them a Disney movie that was made today, they, like, there's no way they would believe that Disney made it. Show them, show them what, some of the Marvel films. Show them Captain America just, like, destroying people. <laughs> like, that's... Mm-hmm. I... Because there's not even... There's barely any blood in the matrix yeah like like mouse gets shot and he's like spitting up blood like when he's in the chair and yeah stuff. that's like that's and nothing like, it, it's, it's a little it, it's it's a little intense though like once you get into the real world like after it, he takes the red pill and he wakes up in the pod and he's like pulling shit out of his head and yeah and stuff. like yeah it's pretty intense I agree. I can see why it's rated R. I just, I don't know. Like, I, I'm, I'm shocked. I, I, I've seen the Matrix multiple times too. How have I never just like looked at the box and just see rated yeah. R? I thought it was PG. I, I feel like there, because I, something that I remember vividly about Matrix Reloaded specifically, yeah, is that, because I, I feel like I remember having this conversation with my dad at some point. Like the Matrix, like ma- that movie wasn't rated R. Da da da. But I remember uh, reading like a, a rating breakdown where the MPAA at that time had a ruling that if you use martial arts and kick someone in the head, it's an automatic R rating. Wow. Now, Matrix 2 did... Okay, it had a sex scene, but it didn't even have like nudity. It, like, right. it, it showed some, some, some butts. And then there was the scene with the vampires where like that girl had an orgasm from eating a cake but um... oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well and, and and another thing could, could and now we're talking about the yeah NBA would... and how arbitrary they are but yeah. like uh sound design might have had something to do with the matrix as well because another movie that i remember learning a lot about the mpa on was the fourth Die Hard movie because if you watch the theatrical cut versus like the r-rated director's cut or whatever yeah it's virtually the same movie but like for example there's a scene where bruce willis like pulls a guy's head through a wall and then snaps his neck okay and in the r-rated version the sound effect of the dude's neck snapping is like a little bit more like there's more layers to it and it's also louder Oh, okay. And the director talked about, like, yeah, that was, like, we had to change the sound effect and lower the volume of it to get a PG-13 rating. And you're like, really? Like, the MPAA is that detailed? I would have never, like, you could have yeah. played both of those, that, that both versions of that scene back-to-back, I would have never have noticed the fucking difference. You know, there are, it's funny, so, uh, this is, welcome to, uh, the digital roundtable where we uh, we we talk about malignant and then go off topic with something. Uh, comparing this to video games, so first things first, I would have thought the Yippie Kaye moment was it, but that would have been the only f bomb in the film because oh, he doesn't right. say yeah. he doesn't he doesn't say his full catchphrase in the fourth yeah, film. It's, it's mother. Yeah, it's mother. <laughs> he shoots himself. himself. <laughs> <laughs> no, and so then like one of flowers is like, Dad, you shot yourself. 
the yeah ramona flowers uh so the video games are kind of weird in the in the same aspect so you, you look at video games and anime so in japan japan censors has to censor a lot of their stuff for america because we don't like sex we don't like sexuality we don't like any of that stuff where you know if she's got cleavage keep cleavage cover it up cover nothing not too much legs we're very you could say conservative in that aspect uh when stuff has to come over here to america however whenever you look at the horror games that come to america they are more gory than anything else like i mean they are graphically like it's funny japan has to do the opposite they have to tone down the gore for their audience but they turn it up for america like we are okay with just the most graphic gory content but we can't have uh women showing off their bodies <laughs> so we're weird yeah it's the biggest double standard of all time uh uh yeah so that's the fun note we can we could do a whole episode of us talking about like the the ep was it epa the people that because uh, mpaa mp association of Okay, because uh, the way they rate video games is pretty weird as well. Like the mature rating has changed so much. Uh, for uh, yeah, like think of Halo for example. Halo's a rated M game, and it's literally just because it has blood. But there's not even any curse words in Halo. Well, there might be one in the whole series. There's probably like two curse words, and that's that's over that's over that's fifty hours of gameplay. <laughs> <laughs> it's not even an f bomb. Uh so this movie's gory. <laughs> this is to put it in the fact. This movie's gory. This movie does get us rating. You know what I did kind of appreciate? And I don't know why because I look forward to this whenever I watch a horror film. There was no like pointless sex scene. Yeah, that's a Sex and nudity in horror is is its own separate podcast unto itself, probably. Because uh, I was like, "Oh, yeah, like, Jeff is referring to horror films to me. I'm gonna get to. I'm gonna get to see some. I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get to see something. I'm gonna get to see I'm something see fun. Some I'm gonna see some boobs. Uh, no, there's none of that. There's like no nudity. There's not even because even in Candyman, there's no nudity. Sorry, spoilers, but uh, there is like like love making. That, that happens. Okay. Yeah. So you're... It's still there. And I'm like, oh, okay, horror movie trope. This one had none of it. Um, at, yeah. at... Nudity is it, it, in horror is is typically relegated to the slasher subgenre. Oh, so okay. So slashers being like, there's a dude in a mask with a sharp object killing people. So it's like... Friday the 13th, you have sex and you take your top off, you're gonna die. Nightmare on Elm Street, if you take your top off and have sex, you're gonna die. And Halloween, you take your top off, have sex, you're gonna die. You know, that's the, the trope there. Okay. And, and sometimes it, it extends to like other subgenres as well, but usually because that's kind of a, a big trope of the slasher subgenre is young, nubile teenagers having sex. Oh, they're, they're, somebody's sinning. They gotta die. You, know? <laughs> you sinning. Of course, the, gonna the, get the me some good old sinning. 
Yeah. The the connotation being there, or, or the symbolism being there, is that, like, oh, if you wanted him to penetrate you, then the killer also gets to penetrate you with a blade kind of thing. Ayo! <laughs> Which, again, it's just, like, when you say it out loud, you're like, oh, my God, roll my eyes. But it's like, nope, that's that's symbolism people thought this was art at some point it's like nope it's just people having sex and getting killed yeah <laughs> good to know i learned something the uh yeah yeah so we're like we're, we're talking about how gruesome this film is um and so the film does what a lot of films do it starts off with like high intensity high like uh focus on on stuff and then it mellows out and i say it mellows out but then she's with so the worst husband ever yeah and again this is like the, them talking to each other there's no chemistry there is the and it's just it's so awkward but yeah it plays a purpose in the film as in like you're supposed to just feel a certain way by the sounds of their voice like you're not you're not supposed to read into it too much like just Take the information that's given to you, and like, and and, and just roll with that. And and so, with that being the context, like the husband essentially wakes up the demon inside of her, and right because the plot twist of this film. Uh, I'm gonna go ahead and just like jump to the plot twist before we continue the plot because I feel like yeah we can incorporate it as we're talking about the plot. Uh, did you? What, what were your thoughts of the plot twist of the film? So I, I, I'm so glad that you asked that because I want to reference one of our earlier episodes, uh, the episode where we were talking about movie trailers. Okay, yeah. And how they tend to never saw a trailer for this film. <laughs> all the, and how they tend to spoil all the best parts of the movie. Well, the trailer for this film basically makes it seem like there's a woman. And she's in a house, and she's being attacked by some paranormal entity, whether it be a demon or a ghost. It's it, and you know you see the shots of her like locking the door, but it like pushes the door open and knocks her over. And then of course they include that amazing overhead aerial shot of her running through the whole house, where it looks like she's running through a dollhouse kind of thing. Yes. And then it, it shows some footage of her tracking down her mother and then watching the VHS of her at the birthday party and talking to Gabriel. And essentially what the movie sets up is this is a movie about a woman who is being haunted by her childhood imaginary friend. Okay. Which is an aspect of this movie. Like yeah. the, the detective at one point even says, wait, so the killer is your imaginary friend. Yeah. Um, and so that's kind of where shit. I forgot what your initial question was. What you think about the plot oh, twist? Yes. So the reason I wanted to bring this up is because the trailer for this movie, I think, is working on two different levels, and that's why I wanted to talk to you about it because it references our earlier episode about movie trailers. Yeah. It does the movie itself kind of a disservice because mm. what it what it sets up like what what it markets the movie to be is okay because of course it's like from the from james wan the visionary director of insidious and the conjuring 
and you're like, and, and you watch the trailer and you're like, oh, cool. James Wan made another movie about people in a house hearing strange noises and looking down hallways and around corners and oh, something spooked him. I mean, he's really good at that, but I'm kind of over it. Like, like, like don't get me wrong. I'm a big fan, but it just like it. It basically just looked like James Wan doing another spook fest, like in a house with some crazy noises and stuff. And I know that this is factual because when I talked to Michelle at work today, that's exactly what she said. She's like, Jeff, do you really want to recommend this movie? Because when I watched the trailer, I wasn't that interested. I talked to another coworker named Bree, and she was like, Jeff, are you really recommending this movie to me? Because I watched the trailer and it didn't seem that interesting. However, where the trailer works is it doesn't fucking spoil the movie. Okay. And that's exactly what you and I were talking about. It's like what we want from trailers. Yeah. However, this movie did exactly the opposite of that, which it didn't show the good stuff. And people were like, eh. And, and, and to kind of... Uh, to piggyback Honestly. off of something that, that you said earlier, um, one of the big things that's happening to this movie right now is exactly like what you said with the Rotten Tomato store. Critics are relatively digging it. Audiences fucking hate it. But here's the thing. General audiences are the people who take the time to log into their Rotten Tomatoes account and write a review. So general audiences are the people who know James Wan and they're like, I saw Insidious and I saw The Conjuring. I'm going to go see this new movie. And so then they watch this movie and they get to, and maybe they know it from the prologue that we already talked about it, but they definitely get to the final act and the climax of this movie. And they're like, this movie is fucking stupid. This is not what I signed off for. I'm going to go complain on the internet. Yeah. However... Horror fans watch this movie and they're like, oh, God, James, what did you do, buddy? You've totally lost it. But then they hit the half hour mark and they're like, oh, James, good for you, dude. You're doing something different, which yep. is a different type of horror movie. Oh, this movie fucking rules. Rock and roll. I'm putting my devil horns up. Yeah. You know, so it, it's an interesting, like, what, what, uh, so now that my rant is done. <laughs> Mm -hmm. To answer your question, I watched this movie thinking that, oh, okay, so what this movie wants me to think is that she, it's like a split personality thing. Like, she thinks she's seeing visions and that there's this guy with long hair and a leather jacket and stuff killing people, but really it's her. Yeah. And, and she's just crazy. Like, that's what this movie wants me to think. But I'm thinking, okay, this is a movie about a girl who had an imaginary friend. And exactly like what you said, somehow this imaginary friend manifested into a physical being. Right. It's, it, it's like maybe as a child she was possessed by a demon. That demon found a host body and possessed that person. And now, the, oh my God, Gabriel's out. He's alive for the first time after all these years. He's been dormant inside my body, but now he is alive and he's on a killing rampage. And then you get to the fucking reveal where the sister puts in that VHS tape and the doctor is like, 
I'm going to wake him up now. You might want to come around and see this. And it ha- and it's that on-looking shot of uh, baby Emily, or not baby Emily, but like 12-year-old Emily. And it 360s around and you see there's Gabriel with his little fucked up face and his mangled jaw and his little flappy arms going, ah! And I was like, this is the best movie I've ever seen. <laughs> And and, and, then I, and then I tempered, and I was like, Jeff, this is not the best movie you've ever seen. Calm down a little bit. Like, keep enjoying it, but calm down a little bit. And I was like, this is the best movie of the year. Fuck you, Shang-Chi. I don't, I don't even care anymore. You, you you keep your, like, legend of your ten bullshits. Uh-uh. Malignant totally just kicked your ass. <laughs> the, the plot... Okay, so here's why the plot twist works. And you brought up fantastic points. The trailer's one thing. The trailer doesn't give it away. I think if the trailer had played that really cool fight scene at the end of the film, like in the cop, in the police prison, Uh or the police precinct, uh, I I bet more people would have gone to see the film. Or more, like, more people would be interested. Because that fight scene does nothing for the film other than to show off some really cool cinematography. Like, there's, that, that fight scene literally does nothing for the film. Uh, as cool as it was to watch, it was an amazing shot. I'm not saying, like, I want to take it out. I'm just saying if they could put that in the trailer and that would have given away no... Okay, so they should have done what a Marvel did. Because you know how Marvel, they they hid the Hulk? Like, they had Hulk out and then in, in Infinity War, it was actually, he was in the Hulkbuster suit the whole time. Yeah. And then they did they should have done that because at that part of the movie we know that she they're like Gabriel and Emily are one and the same and they're they're just like sharing the body and so like mm-hmm. Emily's face it, you can see her face they should have just like for the trailer just put her hair over her face like they were doing for the entire film and then nobody would know the wiser uh, for the trailer, right. and then whenever you see the film, the the hair's not there because it's not in the original portion of the film. That was just for the trailer, and then you got that part. So I think that would have fixed the trailer. Um, I'm glad they didn't spoil the trailer. Uh, or they didn't spoil the film. Uh, the the plot twist works for me because, like I said, even though I basically figured it out by the first act, there were still some things that I was doubting. Um, so even Caitlin. We're both, we both don't watch horror, uh, but I said this before in other episodes, Caitlin's really good at just, like, getting the plot together, and so Caitlin's like, oh, it's, it's her twin, she had a twin, so, like, the second mm-hmm. she said, <laughs> I this scene made me laugh so much, oh my <laughs> god, so she's talking to her sister, and she confines in her sister, and... Uh, and she, they they have this awkward conversation where she's like, "I just wanted someone. I just wanted to have like a blood connection with someone." <laughs> <laughs> I love that it's scripted that way. I'm like, what the hell? And then like, 
the sister, the sister's like, what are you talking about? Like, I'm saying, like, and the sister's acting like the audience, right? At this point, we're the sister, and we're like, your right. sister's right there. Yeah. And then she's like, like she's like, oh, shit. I am shit. blood. What are you talking about? She's like, oh, shit. Oh, well, you know, uh, I'm actually adopted. And then, like, the movie's like, dun, dun, dun. Exactly. And uh, I, I'm curious if you caught this, but uh, so are you familiar with uh, the band The Pixies? Uh, I might be, but not, might not realize it. So they have a song called Where Is My Mind? It's the song that plays at the very end of Fight Club, like when all the buildings are exploding. And, they, and it's like the... Yeah. So that song is the music that plays during that moment. And it plays a couple of other times throughout Malignant, but it's... It doesn't it's it like play on the radio? No, it, it's the when, when she says, like, I'm adopted, that's the music that plays. It's like a recontextualized, oh, okay, okay, like, okay. synth orchestral version of it. But yes, like, I know what you're talking about. Where is my mind? You know? Yeah. It And it's like, and again... <laughs> That's it, it's such the perfect fucking song to source for that moment, especially when it pops in later when the mother falls through the ceiling and then it, it like takes a moment and then the, the music kicks in and she screams she's and screaming. it plays like super well, loud. Well, this is this is the genius behind the plot twist, though, because so she says I'm adopted and then your immediate yeah. reaction is she has a twin or she has a brother or there's a sibling there's someone out there that was left behind and now we know there's a there's a missing piece of the puzzle and we can fill that up so like they set that up for you so you are then tricked into thinking so the trailer makes you think oh it's the imaginary friend then the first act of the film going on to the second act makes you think oh this is a brother so then you are now like immediately get you go and you cut over to the mom who gets kidnapped by Gabriel, who you are now thinking is a other relative to the protagonist because right. she's adopted and she just relayed this information. And this is why I was saying so this is this is around the time of the film where I was I was starting to like because I, I was like, that is such a silly like why is the blind dialogue like that? Yeah. Not long after this, I was like, oh, they, he is literally, and the plot, the plot twist does this for me. He is literally like toying with your emotions and toying with your expectations and your mind throughout this film. And having the dialogue be so blatantly emotional, like not emotionless. I want to say like so emotional to where like you can tell, okay, they're all, I'm obviously supposed to feel this way. You then, right. you then trick yourself into thinking, oh well, Gabriel is 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 her brother, and then then they start talking about the trailer. Then they start talking about the imaginary friend, and the cops like, well, so what? We're going after your imaginary friend, and you're like, and then you see they have video recordings, and you see that she's talking to somebody, and you're like, but wait, but but she was, and the way that they cut the film is really good because you think. Because they play the music and they transition and it's around the same time of day that her mom gets kidnapped around the time where she was talking to her sister saying that she's adopted, which is so great that they cut to the mom, her birth mother, whenever she talks about getting adopted. And 
then she says, like, she's, so you're like, wait, but if Gabriel is imaginary, then who the hell grabbed the mom when she was talking to her sister? And you're starting to doubt yourself because you're like, but, but she's adopted. But, but Gabriel's someone else. Like, we know Gabriel's physically there. So how is Gabriel? If he's imaginary. Who the fuck did I just chase down a fire escape and through the Seattle underground? Right. From the, from the cop's perspective. He's like, dude, like this guy jumped me and, and I uh-huh. shot at him and I saw him like parkour over and the entire city. And so the movie does a great job. And then when it, when it picks up the camera and you're like, and then she's like, okay, you're you're a bit tired because we drug Gabriel. I'm like, okay, so maybe they're like bonded in some way. They're like psychonetically connected. Maybe, you know, your brain's rushing through all these things. And she picks up the camera, and the camera, or the the dude or whatever, whoever's holding the camera, goes around, and then Gabriel's there, and he's like, Matt, because in the beginning of the film we see Gabriel. So like, our in our head, yeah, the movie already tells us Gabriel physically exists in this world. Which so, I do feel kind of spoils the twist, but at the same time, I don't think the point of the movie is to be like, there's a twist that you never saw coming. Surprise! Right. The, the point of the movie is like, this is fucking silly and bananas. Just go along for the ride. Right. And then the... So you know, you, like, you were already told, and as Jeff would put it, the rules have already been put in place that Gabriel exists. Mm. And you, other people have seen him, and these people are educated, and they're 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 not they're reliable sources. However, Gabriel's going around and killing these reliable sources, <laughs> and so you're you are you're like okay, so the people who are supposed to progress the plot are dying. And how are we? How else are we going to progress the plot? Obviously, we we get to it. You know, we find the hidden footage and yada yada. But yeah, that's why the plot twist works. That's why the plot twist of Gabriel being on the, on her back and being and doing the thing, uh, in my opinion, works because the movie does, sets such a good foundation and set and never breaks its own rules. Not like at all does it ever break its own rules. The only time I thought it was uh, being dumb, I may need to rewatch the movie to to see. I, uh, but like, correct me if I'm wrong, was when the husband dies. I think it breaks its own rules when the husband dies. In what way? Uh, so the fridge opens by itself. Yeah, there, there's a lot of like, I mean, to to be fair, there's a lot of uh, quote unquote fast and loose yeah. with the rules of. It's like okay, that, so so that that's that when the boot craft comes in because it's her with Gabriel operating the backside of her body. Yeah, like like we see it definitely at the end, but we know like at the beginning of the movie, like that's still what's happening. And it's like, so she just ran in, hit the blender, and then ran away. And then she just, like, runs in, opens up the refrigerator, and runs away. And it's like, eh, it's a little far-fetched. We know Gabriel likes to fuck with people. Right. But, like, the fridge opens on itself, and unless those couch cushions are made of feathers or something, that couch cushion took way too long to to re-inflate. Re-inflate. Like, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> which again, made I, you I, think that there's a ghost and you're exactly. like exactly 
But I, I, I think twofold. One, that has a lot to do with kind of what we were talking about earlier, especially when you get to the end. It's like, bitch, every one of your bones just dislocated and relocated. How the fuck are you still alive? And she got shot! Twice! And, and wait, so he can manipulate electricity, he can manipulate <laughs> radio signals. Like, like They never and explain like, it. Ah, and, and it's literally just like, eh, don't worry about that. Yeah. He, you know? But, but also, I think the reason, and, and you know, it, it's the James Wan of it all, which is this is what you expect from a James Wan movie. You expect, like, <gasps> the blender turned on all by itself. Yeah. The refrigerator door opened all by itself. It's the ghost. It's the demon. You know, that's what you're expecting. But uh, I, what what for me is is a little weird is I think that I, I feel like what the movie wants to be is a gradual evolution. Like, we want to start by being what you expect from James Bond. Oh, like, it's a very tight, sophisticated, subtle, like, you think it's supernatural and there's ghosts and da-da-da-da. But then, as, as it progresses moment to moment, scene to scene you realize, oh, this is a complete departure for him. Yeah. But what I think happened is that... That's it, literally... And the thing is, like, it, I could be wrong. that prologue scene is there. Where you're like, but but the scene at the, at the, at the hospital where it's like, you know, Gabriel's out and he's drinking the electricity and then he's throwing people around. It's like... Gabriel, you've been a bad boy. We've got to cut out the cancer and Dutch angles. And it's like, well, yeah, but the movie was fucking cheesy and trashy, like, right at the start. So yeah. why are you then cutting to, and, and especially with, like, the opening credit sequence with, like, the Nine Inch Nails music and all the footage of the cutting and the surgical procedure and da da da, da. Like, why are we then cutting to the main character in Scrubs and her husband's a piece of shit and, like, we're trying to be a creepy movie with people turning on blend. Like, why are you... Like, I saw the... the I saw the scene at the hospital. Why are you pretend... Like, you've established the tone. Why are you pretending to be, like, the movie that you usually make all of a sudden? You've already shown me the movie that this is. Yeah. It's just kind of weird. It, it was like the movie was trying to have its cake and eat it, too. I think... You know? Yeah, I think I see what you're saying. I, I understand what you're saying now when you're saying that the movie um, isn't how it starts to how it ended. And right. that makes sense. Uh, and of course, like, I, I want to explain that. I want to get into that. But like, yeah, I, I do believe that the only time the movie breaks its own rules. Well, pfft, I mean, there's multiple times. But there's the biggest one for me was when the husband dies. And that's. The husband dies, and then her having superpowers. But they use the superpowers later on. Like, she knows she has superpowers, and she kind of, like, daps yeah, it. Yeah, it was always my body. If he can do it, I can do it. Like, uh, no? <laughs> I, I'm, what are you talking about? I don't know. I don't know. She has psychic abilities because she has an abnorm admorality in her brain, and that's how usually things work. You have a, yeah. you, you got big brain, you can do big brain things. 
Well, and and there's a lot of uh, th- this isn't even the the rules of the movie. It's just the the logic of the world as we know it. But th- there's a lot of st- so the the part where I I caught on to the bit because again, like I I was coming at it from like the first twenty to thirty minutes, like oh, okay, like there's there's still some cool shots. There's some cool camera angles and the production, like the production design is fantastic because you know, like like we, we've kind of uh, buried the lead on this cool shot that we keep going back to, which is the overhead shot looking above the house when she oh, runs through all the rooms. I love that so shot. It, it's clear that some money was spent on this movie because right. they built a house. Yes. Like, I'm sorry. They did not build a set. Like, it's technically a set because it's built for a movie but they built a house it because could there's be... no way no you okay no 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 shot unless you build a house that had the studio yeah they had to have built because the house is probably someone's house right and then they had yes. to recreate the house in a set to do that shot right be- like that shot is so intricate it oh my god yeah that's such well, a good and, shot and- and also, like, like this is another thing w- which I was... Uh, this is not a thought that I had. It's something that somebody on YouTube brought up, which when I watched it a second time, I was like, oh my god, you're absolutely right about this. Um, the scale of the house... So, so we have, like, the exterior shots of the house, right? Yeah. Like, that, the, the real house that you're talking about, which right. is, like, a real location. Because there's no way they can get those exterior shots either way. Unless they... Unless it's CGI'd, but... Well, no, but but here's the thing. So think about the the shots of the house exterior. Okay. Now, get, like get a picture of it in your mind. It, it's there. Now, I I want you to think about how square footage works. <laughs> now, think about what the house looks like on the inside, and I want you to think about how square footage works. <laughs> this house is some Harry Potter Goblet of Fire bullshit. It's a it's a it's a telephone box. Yeah, like the house on the <laughs> it's on a the outside. Box. Like like it's it's not a shack by any means. Like it's a house. But when you cut to the inside, it's a fucking mansion. Like yeah, the, it's this house really big. It is like thirty by forty tops. But when you cut to the inside, like the living room is 30 by 40 and the bedroom is like 60 by 80 and and it's but the reason for that is because that's how you're able to do it, big elaborate camera moves yes like it, is... it's the same thing go, go ahead you're about to say something well okay so uh it, it's it's a quick it's a quick thought but you're right those big camera moves uh, specifically so there's a scene where the car goes into the driveway and mm-hmm. I really like that scene. It's a really simple scene. To, like it's it's just really nice. But there, the whole thing, and you see this in the trailers, is whenever she starts to see things from uh, Gabriel's point of view, and the whole room is getting uh, amalgamized into something else. Those yeah, are really melts and morphs. Fun, great shots that I think were uh, uh, done really good. And, I, and like what you're saying, they couldn't be done. If uh, the rooms were as small as they were supposed to be, yeah, they're, they're, like you wouldn't have any room for the the camera to move around, right? Because it it's, it spins around, which 
it has me wondering do you think they did that shot by like someone just held the camera and walked around or do you think they had it on a on a railway and if they had it on a it, railway it's a rig you think it, so it's, it's it's because it's a process called motion capture but they which is I, I mean they probably digitally removed the rig but they go all the way around the rig they go all the way around her and you should see the other part of the rig oh yeah like, like it, it's definitely like been digitally like erased where you don't see like the the dolly track which oh, is like the railway that you're talking about that sucks but it, it it's a process called motion capture which is basically you set the camera where you want it to start and then you physically um do the camera movement and then you stop the camera where you want it to stop, and then you set another record point, basically. Yeah. And then the camera now knows electronically to perform, like when you hit play, it's it's basically like a record and play thing. Yeah. So when you hit play, the camera is going to perform the exact motion that you just made it do over and over again. So it's like you do, so you sit the, so that shot that we're talking about where the house like morphs from one house to another house. Uh, uh, so, yeah, and, and, and I'm pretty sure that's that's probably the way that they did it. Uh, they did that shot multiple times, same angle. Uh, chat saying that would bother yeah. me a lot, mostly because right now my job is drawing house plans. <laughs> uh, you shouldn't watch Doctor Who then. <laughs> the is there a lot of that in Doctor Who? That's like the whole point of the show. Wait, oh, they're, they're wait, are you doing a bit? They're all architects? Jeff, you're doing a bit, right? I've never seen Doctor Who. Holy shit. Okay. No, we, we've talked about this. I, I've seen, like, clips. Okay, so like, Doctor I, Who... I, I want to see, like, acting from people, but... I'm so I said... It. Okay, I said I said police box for a reason. Uh, so in Doctor Who, he travels in a... You did a, see that. He travels in a, uh, a telephone booth that, that's in the shape of police box... And uh, whenever you go inside of it, it's this entire, like, spaceship that has a library, swimming pool, and a bunch of other crazy stuff. But it's bigger on the inside than it is on the outside. And that's the whole... Okay. That's the whole, like, that's the whole that makes thing sense. with Doctor Who. <laughs> that all adds up now. Well, I've watched <laughs> Doctor Who, but they but they science it away, like Doctor Who. Yeah, they, sci they, they, they definitely... Uh, science in a way yeah uh okay so i interrupted you my, my apologies but uh continue no I, I i was just saying that like i i, I was talking about the architecture of like it's the it's house. clear that they're in a house that is built on a, a sound stage because uh there's no way else that you would get that shot but i forget why i was saying that so, because the house whatever is you want to talk about, sure, yeah, no, I'll take the I'll take the center stage, yeah, because the <laughs> and the house was bigger on the inside than the outside. Um, I, I yeah. I'm gonna use this to segue into the cinematography because the cinematography is something that we keep praising about the film, and if it wasn't for the cinematography, I probably would have not come to the realization that this film is as good as it is because <laughs> we've said this multiple yes. times the dialogue is super corny but then they do impressive camera work and impressive like 
honestly, they do impressive stunt work as well. Like, I do not know did, how they got the backwards stuff to work. Because I think what they did... Oh, uh, no, because I don't know. I literally don't know. Uh, There's a lot of different things. It, I, I'll, I, I'll tell you that confidently. It's, I it's wanna not just say one thing. It's the, a lot of different things. I want to say the part where, like, she's on the bed and she's stabbing people. Or, like, whenever you see her, like, in fixed positions, I want to say that's, like, puppet work. Because that looks really real. But the, definitely during the fight scenes, that's CGI. Um, you can The CGI even kind of, like, falls apart when you see some of the cops and some of the people. Because you, you're like, oh, mm-hmm. wow, that person looks really animated. But it's really fast. It does what it needs to do. Uh, and most people aren't... Their, their eyes don't look for that kind of stuff. And, like... Uh, so I think I think the CGI I think everything works. Uh, it's a dark movie, so there's an excuse for it to be dark. But I was really impressed with how they did a lot of the a lot a lot of like the camera effects, mixing it with the the real effects. Because I think mm-hmm. by doing that, it tricked me a lot of the times, being like, "Whoa." Like she's really backwards. <laughs> she's <laughs> well, I, I I think look, it's a combination. Like I I think you're right. Like especially in that big fight scene in the police station where it's that one shot where mm-hmm. she like cuts off a dude's arm and then grabs it and throws it at another police officer and like <laughs> all that crazy stuff. Like a lot of that is definitely CG. Um, but I like because I looked in the IMDb credits. There is somebody who is credited as Gabriel Body or something. It has to be for the puppetry. Uh, I want to get it. well, but it's not a puppet. It's a stunt person who is like a contortionist. And and I think that in some of the shots, what is happening is that you have a stunt person who. Is a contortion because this is something. This is another thing that happens a lot in horror movies because you have like creature features, like people, like uh. Um, so like they're being used pe- as like a frame of reference. So I, I want to say like the parts where Gabriel is like crab walking and the parts where you see Gabriel running are the stunt double, but the parts where Gabriel is like stationary and moving, those are the puppets, and then the parts where Gabriel's just like going to town on people, that's CGI. Yeah, but like the, the, there's definitely a lot of CGI. I, I do feel like there are a lot of shots where it's a stunt person that is wearing like a prosthetic mask mm-hmm. of the main actress on their head and they are acting forward. Oh, so like the, yeah, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. The, the face of the actress is literally on the back of their head yeah. and they're doing all the stunt work forward. And I feel like there are a couple of shots where they are literally wearing the mask of the actress on their face and they're just acting backwards. Like yeah. they're they're literally contorting their bodies. Like again, like they're not dislocating the way that the movie presents. And it, it's like a, it, a mixture of both. Like there's a lot of editing trickery of like, like kind of like, did you see Tenet? The Christopher Nolan movie? Yes. So kind of like in the fight sequences there where like one person is moving forwards in time and the other person is moving backwards in time. Well, obviously, we as humans and as stunt performers can't move backwards in time, but we can pretend like we are moving backwards in time. So there's like some like like basically if you watch like the the fight sequences in that movie, it's all real. 
it's all editing. There's not like quote unquote CGI. Yeah. It's just that there are some times where the person is literally moving backwards and sometimes where they're moving forwards, but they're exaggerating their forward movements to make it look like if you were to rewind this, they would be moving normal forwards. It's it's like weird body shit. I did mime in high school, so a lot of this stuff makes sense to me. <laughs> but I'm realizing as I'm trying to describe it over audio, like, dude, I'm flapping my limbs around. You can't see me, but I'm like, like, no, you get it, right? Like, yeah. like look at look at look at where my arms are, and I move like this. But if you reverse it, I move like this. Like, like you get it, right? But you don't get it. You don't, you can't see me. Um, <laughs> it makes sense. So, like what so you're I sound saying. Like a crazy person. I realize what you're saying does make sense. So like I am I, that like I'm now seeing, but it makes me happy that they went that extra mile for that. Yeah. Um. Because it, I think it sells it more in a way. Now I'm not one of those people that says, um, go practical or go home or or things like that or um. Right. Don't don't use CJ. I think CJ's can be used really good, really well, really well. And I'll say it a million times: <laughs> good CGI, you won't notice it. That's the problem with CGI. Mm. It's like if it's done right, you won't even notice that it's there. Uh, a lot of times right. for these people, is they just run out of time and they run out of money. I I recently watched uh, Corridor Digital. I I love uh, Corridor Digital. They do. Oh, um, I love those guys. They do uh, VGH V. V, uh, VFX, VFX artists react. VFX artists react. I recommend you go watch that kind of stuff if you want to like understand how me and Jeff kind of see movies. These guys explain it really well. Um, they they because they're VFX artists and they they look at things through a different eye and it's taught me a lot. Oh, I love it. I love behind the scenes mm-hmm. stuff. I've always I had would love for them to break down that. That whole Same. fight sequence, and the, then try to pick apart like what's practical, what's combination, and then what's full CG. Yes, I I would love to for the same thing because they're really good at that kind of stuff. Uh, but they recently did a thing with Seth Rogen, which was really fun. And Seth Rogen confirms <laughs> a lot of what they say on that show. And it's just like sometimes they just the studio really just like pumps things through. Like it, it, you know, you they'll only get like a week or a day or you know they get an x amount of time and they're like well even the director is like i don't like this like you i don't like how this comes out and like well we're all out of money we gotta go on to the next thing and the director's like shoot i gotta make this work somehow so i think like when people watch movies and people complain about cgis what seth rogan basically educated me on is because for some, I, I don't know why I believe this, but I, I feel like other people may believe this too. Because you know everyone thinks like I do, and mm-hmm. uh, it, it it's that when you watch a film, you think that the director put this out and this is the director's masterpiece. The director put their stamp of approval on this and was like, "Yes, this is exactly what I wanted." And you're like, "How it's could you not. come up with something like this?" No, it's not. Yeah, it's it's not. They don't want you know. They they probably see the same things you see, and they're just like, if not, they probably see more, and they're like, man, I put that out there, and they're like, you know what, you know, I did what I could do. So, um, 
Well, that, I, that's I, the that's a big misconception about visual effects in general. And, yes, and this is something that like Corridor has talked about a lot. Ren uh, even did a TED talk about it. When you see crappy visual effects in the movie, it does not indicate that the visual effects artists in that movie are shitty at what they do. Right. What it indicates is they were not given proper time to complete those visual effects. Mm -hmm. And then and, so and like that's a that's a big misconception about the movie industry in general. It is, is like it's huge. When, when you look at how money is spent and like when you look at budgets, time is money. Time like, like this is something that everybody knows. Everybody knows the, the the phrase time is money. Like that's the thing. When you look at these movies and it's like they cost hundreds of millions of dollars, it's because of people. Now, like th I, there are hundreds of people working weeks and weeks on end. Like that's why movies are so expensive. It's because of time. I'm gonna do what I do best and talk about Star Wars real quick. Do it. The there's a documentary on Star Wars you can find on Disney Plus. I can't remember what it's called. I'm sorry. Uh, it, and they go over uh, Episode Three. Oh no, it's not on. It's not on Disney Plus. I'm sorry. I watched it on YouTube. Uh, they go over episode three, but they don't go over everything on episode three like they did on the other documentaries. They go over a, I think it's like a two minute, a one minute scene in the film. And it's when Obi-Wan and Anakin are fighting uh, in Mustafar. So they're fighting on the lava planet. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, look at any poster for Star Wars episode three. It's It's that scene. <laughs> and, uh what the whole like almost two hour documentary is over is that two minute scene and how it touches hundreds of hands it goes through mm. so many people and it takes months months to finish that scene alone and take that mm -hmm. and multiply it by 20 or by 200 because they have to do that for for every scene in every part of the movie for two hours yeah so when you see a two minute scene or when you see a uh a, a 10 minute scene that had cgi and you're like well how much does cgi cost like you know why, why couldn't they no like that has touched multiple people it's been thrown around it probably got thrown to another studio that's maybe in europe or australia or in america it's been messed with it's probably been redone the directors had to give critiques over it the sound people have probably argued with the music people and saying oh he's stepping too loudly or oh yeah. you fidgeting with the world war ii gun and rubbing it up against the 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 glock 59 is not you know, that's sounding way too loud for the presence of the monster than it should. And, like, mm -hmm. all for for a minute. There's, yeah. There's so all, much that goes so into it. So many minuscule details. And then my re here's, here's a rebuttal that I'm assuming everyone's saying is, like, well, why don't you just go practical? Practical is actually more expensive. Practical is more expensive than CGI. Significantly yeah. more expensive, mind you. Uh, different documentary. Still Star Wars. George Lucas, episode one, they didn't know because around this time, CGI hadn't been pushed to its limits yet. And George was like, they're like, look, we don't know. We don't know what to do. Like, we're just going to do both. 
and like they spent double the money than they were supposed to because they did both practical and both in CGI. And this was for Jar Jar Binks. Like they had reference for Jar Jar, and they were going to use like the practical effects to make Jar Jar work. But then they were like, okay, if we just completely swap out Jar Jar and we just put in a CGI Jar Jar, it literally saved us nearly two million dollars. And George yeah. Lu- George Lucas at the time was happy, but all you could hear him say was, "So we just wasted two million dollars <laughs> because they did both practical and non-practical." <laughs> yeah. Uh, so well, it's uh, don't quote me on the two million dollars, but it's a big it's a big ass number. You could you could buy a, a fucking nice car with the money that they they spent and uh, on that right. So that's yeah. so like like I said, the CGI in this film it not only passes but it exceeds what it's supposed to do. There are moments where you're like, huh? But they mix the practical and the CGI <laughs> really well. Real, like really yeah. well, and knowing that they used those stunt performers, and I'm such a I'm such a nerd for stunt performers now, that uh, that makes me even more happy. So good on them for that stuff. And yeah. sorry to the audience uh, for having to listen to us like lecture you about. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that, that that's the thing. Like that that's the like like dude. My entire film school. Like, like, I didn't go to film school. I, I, I did not pay tuition. I did not get student loans. Like, like that sort of thing. My film school was watching DVD special features and listening to director commentaries, you know, for... And, and, and it's crazy, because, like, like, my parents, like, like they were proud. They, they were like, okay, like, our, our son, like, has aspirations of, like, making movies. And, like, good for him. But, holy... God, does he spend so much time in his bedroom just watching the same movies over and over and over again. And I was like, no, you don't understand. Like, I'm learning so much. Like, Eli Roth is telling me stuff. Quentin Tarantino is telling me stuff. Kevin Smith is telling me stuff. Like, I'm learning how to make movies. The the, the only downfall of it is that you don't actually end up making movies. You're just watching other people make movies and you're listening to how other people made movies. But... You know, like like you said, watching Corridor Digital, like it, fuck, even Seth Rogen said it. Like that's why he was on the show in the first place. Is like he watched the show on YouTube, and he's like, "Holy shit!" Like I, I have difficulty communicating to my own visual effects artist. <laughs> yep, like, he did. He did. Watching these guys on YouTube, I now know the terminology that I should use to talk to people about visual so, effects artists. <laughs> I'm glad you're bringing this up, you Jeff. Know. And like we're. I, pff, we've, derailed so hard but it's okay the uh cares? The, the i'm glad you're bringing this up because you know yoslin who plays uh dnd with us and if you ever want to mm-hmm. you know, listen to our dnd podcast you can catch us on fridays at 8 p.m you know but uh so <laughs> she she kind of went to film school i say kind of because i'm not entirely sure what she did but she went to film school she learned certain things she went to school for editing and she's she's looking for a career in that um but it's funny, so, and I'm not trying to bash Jocelyn, but I'm going to bring up another person that I work with who went to art school. The, I'm, I I did a little thing with Jocelyn where I made a video and she let me be a director. And it's kind of the first time I, re- I was being a director with someone else around. Because usually when I'm making stuff, I'm by myself and I don't even realize that I'm being a director because I'm just by myself making stuff. And so I'm telling her, like, no, I don't like the lighting. Like, I want lighting to – I want the room to feel like this. And 
again, we're just we're literally making a video gonna be talking about D and D, and I'm like, I like I know the audience won't even see or care what the lighting is, but I want to set the mood for. Mm like what we're talking about and what we're going to do. And I'm like, all right, I want this here. All right. Open, let, you know, we, we only have so much stuff that we can work with. I don't have like the best equipment. I'm like, all right, open the blinds. Let me see what it looks like. Close the blinds. I'm like, all right. And then we're doing B roll shots. And I'm like, all right, I want the camera to move like this. And she's operating the camera for me. And I'm, and I'm like, all right, I, I want the dice to roll like this. And I mean, if you guys see some of the stuff that I have, like B roll clips that I have, me and Yoselin film that kind of stuff together. And, hmm. um, I'm like, all right, uh, let's throw the books. And I was like, do you have any? And the whole time, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a pretty, I can be a pretty in, in, insecure person. And I'm, I'm like, all right, I'm sorry. Like, am I, am I being too controlling? Am I being? And she's like, no. Like, I let, like, you're directing me. Let me. That's what being a director is. Dude. Yeah. She's like, keep directing me. Like, let me see your vision. Or she kept on saying, she's like, keep direct. Let. I am letting you direct me, like direct me. And when she was saying, I was like, oh, because usually I do stuff with friends. And I'm like, oh, you know, friends, you know, you're, you're having fun. And then they maybe they want to put in their input and they want to do the things. But I'm technically doing this with someone who's had who's went to school for it and has experience and is almost considered a professional. And uh, and she's she's taking she it's it was it was a really fun experience that I love and I will cherish forever because I, I, and this is going to sound horrible, but it's because I would say something and she would just do it. <laughs> and, I, yeah. and, uh, and she understood, even if I was like, no, I don't like it. Do it again. Do another take or do another take or do another. She would be like, all right, let's go. All right, let's go. Like she would just, she'd get in there. And it's because we both enjoyed making film. We both enjoyed making something. Um, and then I I, to, I was like, so you know, you went to school for this, right? Like, what do I what do I got to do to to what do I need to like what 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 path do I need to take to start? Because I'm going to switch my major to this because I'm really found a passion in this. And she goes, Mario, you're already doing it. Like you're old. Like this mm-hmm. this is what they teach us, and you're doing it. And I was like, oh shit. <laughs> I was like, oh shit. So like Jeff is very right. Like watch videos and go do it. <laughs> can, 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 can I tell you a, a very quick story? Oh, yes. I have. So, Go for it. Of, so Zack Snyder. Yeah. Uh, where did, it, it's within <clears throat> the last six months because it, it was around the time when he was doing press for uh, the Snyder Cut of Justice League. Yeah. Zack Snyder had the best description for what a director does that I've heard in my entire fucking life. Okay. Because like I've known what a director does. Since I was uh, so uh, ninety, so <laughs> since I was like twelve years old, yeah. So, uh, quick, quick tangent. Scream. We'll, we'll talk about Scream at some point. We'll do a whole I'm podcast, sure we will. or you and I will do a watch along or whatever. Scream is when I knew I wanted to be involved in making movies. Okay. Because I watched Scream, and then because uh, at that time uh, it was still. A, a big thing for um, movie studios to publish screenplays and distribute them through bookstores. Like you could walk into a bookstore and you could purchase the screenplay to a movie. Like th- that was still like a big market. It's not so much now. Like like it's it's not a big thing. But at the time in like the mid to late nineties, that was a big thing for studios to make money. Was that they would just publish the screenplays for their movies and sell them to bookstores. Yeah. 
so I read the so my dad bought me the screenplay for Scream. Like he bought it at a fucking Borders bookstore and gave it to me. And I was like, oh my God, like this is amazing. And that was like my whole thing of like, this is a thing I can do. I know how to write movies now because I read a script and I can do that. And so I've known since I was 12 years old how movies are made and what a director does. Zack Snyder in the last six months broke it down better than I ever fucking could have and better than anyone else ever has. What a director does is they have an opinion that everyone else has arbitrarily agreed is correct. Ooh, wow. So think about it. Wow. You're making a movie. There's this movie. Okay, just 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 put in front of your head there's a movie that's being made. Yeah. The costume designer is making that movie. Oh. The my cinematographer gosh. is making that movie. The actors are making that movie. Yes. The the prop people are making that movie. Uh-huh. The hair and makeup people are making that movie. All of these different people, like a hundred people. The, the the lighting people, the, the sound person is making that movie because they adjust the volume of, like, how loud or how soft. Like, yep. everybody is making that movie. And everyone has their opinion about the movie. But here's the thing. Costume designers only give a shit about what the costumes... About what the costumes are doing. Yep. The cinematographer only gives a shit about what the frame looks like. The sound guy only gives a shit about what it sounds like. Etc. Etc. The director is the person who comes in and goes, "Yes." The director then goes to the other department and goes, "No, do it this way." That's what a director does. A director just decides what is cool. That that is such a great. I'm gonna yeah. Like that's such like it's it's obviously like more nuanced. And more intricate than that. Right. But basically... But the way that Zack Snyder put it... Everybody is making the movie. The director just decides yes or no on every other thing. Everyone's agrees on the director's opinion. I... That is such an amazing way of, like, putting it. Yeah. Because, like, the director... it's so humble, too, you know? Right. Right. Because, like, you do... It... (laughs) And and again, I don't have a lot. I I have very minimum theater experience, but it has such an impact on my life. And I've tried to stretch it out as much as I can uh, to help me with this kind of stuff. And then, of course, I watch videos and try to self educate myself as much as possible. But yes, that is so true. The director's opinion is agreed upon by everyone. And yeah. you you know this is what the direct wow. I love that. I'm glad you <laughs> shared that. I'm so happy you shared that. I'm and, and and I loved it more because like again, like this also kind of harkens back to the first episode of this podcast that you and I ever did, because the first episode we did was talking about Snyder Cut. Which is like <laughs> I love Zack Snyder. I've loved him since Dawn of the Dead. Um, which I feel like we should do at some point. Um, we should. But I, I thought that it was, it like, to me, it, it like, I got kind of emotional. Like, I didn't cry 
when I listened to that interview, but I did get kind of emotional because I was like, God, so many people fucking hate this guy. Like, it's ridiculous. So many people think he's a hack. He's overrated. You know, whatever. But holy shit, he just broke this down better than anyone that I've ever heard. Yeah. And and again, in in such a humble way of just like, yeah, it's weird, but I'm right. And everybody just agrees on that. And that's my role. (laughs) Like, yeah, that makes so much sense. Uh, Yeah. No, I, I... Yeah, I'm I'm happy. I'm gonna use that in the future. Credit mm-hmm. credit where credits due. That is freaking awesome. And yeah, like like but, the... but again, like I, I, I say that just to echo exactly what Yoselin said to you. Which yeah. Is like you were like, should I do it? And it's like, yeah, that's what you're doing. Like that's Directly. all you have to do like, is just have an opinion. I'm like, I'm so sorry, like am I being too bothered? am I is it bothering you that I'm constantly trying to trying to tell you to do it different ways? And she's like, No, no, direct me. Direct me and I'm like yeah. All right, yeah, let me do it. Uh, I it just made me want to do more stuff like that. It made me want to be like a director and like do like more stupid stuff. That's gonna be so. Like, okay, I'll get into that later. Speaking <laughs> of humbling, hum, humbling beginnings or stories, I have to say that I do agree with you on the fact that this. M- m- Say the name of the film again for me. Uh, Malignant. Malignant does change its tone. Because the beginning of the film is not the end of the film. And Yes. I thought it was. Because I was thinking in the fact that the film gets crazy. It gets action-packed. It gets... And that's what it does during the third act. However... I have to agree with you that this film goes through a metamorphosis and towards the end is not that wacky sort of action thriller that I thought that the beginning was setting off to be. Mm-hmm. Um, it's still, I think the, or I say beginning, but the prologue, I think the prologue though does set up the tone of the film yeah, pretty well. And, and that's kind of like the weirdness about it is like, it, it, as much as I want to believe that the film has a metamorphosis, it doesn't because the first five minutes are that prologue scene. So it's like, well, no, that's clearly what it's setting up to be. So therefore, it's like, hey, we want to tell you right up top, like this is going to get campy. It's going to get weird and really cheesy. But also, we're going to start over real quick. So here's this woman and she's pregnant and her husband is a piece of shit. And... Like, even down to, like, dude, like, the line that he says to her is one of the most brutal things I've ever heard in a movie, where he says, how many times do I have to watch my children die inside of you? Where I'm like, Jesus, like, what What did this turn into all of a sudden? Yep. Like, the, the freaking British lady was like, we've got to cut out the cancer. And then freaking, like, Rage Against the Machine started playing. Like, not Rage Against the Machine, this is a terrible comparison. But, like... So that 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 I guess is like where I would kind of go like, well, you didn't fully commit to the bit, because like if you really committed to the bit, like it would just be cheesy all the way through. But now all of a sudden it's like, 
super intense and like like it's not brutal because it's violent it's brutal because it's just mean yeah and like like i i yeah. just saw somebody on uh twitter <laughs> had this great tweet uh where it was just a screenshot of the main character in the hospital bed like when she wakes up after her husband dies and like she realizes that like the baby is gone yeah it was just a screenshot of the actress with the line with, with the quote why does James Wan hate this woman? <laughs> Which I was like, well, yeah, like, holy God, so much bad stuff just happens to her right off the bat. But, you know, at the end, she has superpowers. And also, apparently, th- this is another kind of, you know, quote unquote plot hole. Apparently, she has judicial immunity because she just slaughtered, like, 40 police officers and apparently gets to walk yeah apparently like, I, under- I mean i understand like it was it was just your body it wasn't your consciousness it was your fucked up evil parasitic twin that was cut out 30 years ago good luck proving that in court but you know happy ending question mark so what bothered me is that detective really bothered me uh-huh. uh i was i was okay with him i it was like okay he's the dorky he's dorky detective this is the, gonna be our hero mm-hmm. um or the knight in shining army or whatever but what re- what bothered me about that guy was you literally fought chased and saw gabriel mm-hmm. with your eyes and everything and the movie really made me believe that, oh, he's going to flip and he's going to be on her side. And then they're interrogating her, and he doesn't say or do anything. Like, it's almost like that never happened to him. And then even Gabriel's like, yeah, yeah, I'm as real as that cut on your face. Like, you know, that that tussle we had in the back alley streets. And then he, he, yeah. he makes, like, a facial expression, and then that's it. But... After she, after Gabriel goes on the freaking rampage in the police department, and then his partner is like, "Holy crap, Gabriel's real!" Then he's okay. Call uh, on the national fucking guard, right? She says. <laughs> then the freaking dorky cops like, "Okay, now I can believe in Gabriel." But yeah, bef- I, I mean, I, I, I kind of give him a little bit of a pass because like. Based on what has happened, like at the very least, like like she's guilty of kidnapping a woman and holding her hostage in her attic. True, you know. And and, and again, like like the, here's another thing that like could be considered a plot hole, but I like to believe is the point based on the tone of where the movie goes. Is like 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 think about the logic here. Some woman and her sister, like, imagine that you're a police officer, you're a detective, and you have a partner. And some woman and her sister come into your headquarters, and they're like, hey, I had a vision. Hey, 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 you know that woman who died? I had a vision of that happening. Also, I had a vision of this dude, this older dude, uh, also getting murdered. So I think you should go check up on that. And then you're a detective and you look at your partner and you're like, we should go check this out. So then you go check it out. 
and you find, holy shit, there's a dead dude. That's crazy. Full stop right there. These detectives are fucking bonkers. Like, dude, like, if somebody comes to you and they're like, hey, and, and, and they start telling you, like, details about a murder that just happened, you're at least going to detain them for questioning. You're not going to fucking, like, be like, hey, Jeff, hop in the back of my police Jeff, cruiser. Jeff, Let's go Jeff, to a hotel. Jeff. They're white. <laughs> Mario. Mar <laughs> End of podcast. End of podcast. It's not going to get any better than that. Oh, my God. You're my favorite person on the planet right now, my friend. It's not going to get any better than that. White privilege. That's exactly Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah 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 that's true that's true uh another part that bothered me because now I'm, i guess now i'm nitpicking the film they so there's this joke that's the point you shouldn't nitpick it and that's the point and i and i stand by that there's a joke so there's the joke that the sister shows she's like a stereotypical like um um weird sister like i'm she's the opposite so you have the main protagonist who's been abused and is like uh she likes to keep her hair black and she has bangs and uh if she if it wasn't for the fact that she was probably a a, a suburban housewife she'd probably be dressing like she shopped at hot topic um the sister over wears a princess outfit and is an act and uh is just like very much more cheerful and things like that to the point where like they like they have to address it they there's this, like where they have to address the fact that she does that and, it, and i'm like I, I was like this this better have a payoff later on in the movie and the payoff was apparently the sister's like well so you guys are gonna get a psychic right and it was like, I knew they were going to get a psychic. It's just like an excuse for her to be silly throughout the film. Um, but when the, when the quote unquote psychic comes in, they don't call it a psychic. It is a it is hypnotherapist. It, oh, was it a hypnotherapist? Then I missed that. Never mind. Yeah, that's what they said. That's yeah. so dumb. Never mind. Because that's when she's like, I knew it. That, yeah. The, They're like, not the, a psychic. They got a the hypnotherapist. Not a psychic. God damn it. It's, that's worse. <laughs> but that was my favorite part the fact that she's like not a psychic god damn like why are you so angry at this woman who's an actress like jesus <laughs> right like you would care that much uh no but that that's that's about it those are most of my nitpicks there I, I was in the movie and i was like did not need that did not want that <laughs> other than that i i even have like talking about it and things of that nature i um i still i still like the film like i had a good time watching it i had a good time watching it and like i can't be mad at the yeah. movie for being a movie i would recommend the movie on the warning that it's it's kind of corny but trust me when i say i think that's by design and it's so mm. funny that both me and you saw that and we both like that's crazy. Yeah, I I, I think uh, and and technically speaking, I, I I kind of buried the lead on this. I should have led with this because it really just encompasses everything that we've talked about. I honestly, I think that this is a case of director 
does good with studio and now gets to make whatever they want to make because like james uh. wong made you know I, I mean he made the conjuring for warner brothers it was relatively low budget made a shit ton of money made the conjuring 2 for warner brothers also relatively low budget made a shit ton of money but ultimately what we're looking at is james wan makes aquaman for warner brothers makes a billion dollars and warner brothers is like hey buddy like to make those horror movies is there any <laughs> horror movie that you want to make because you just made us a billion dollars we'll give you all the money you want to go make one of those movies you know that kind of thing uh be because ultimately the so the way that i would describe this movie to people who have seen it which is weird to describe a movie to somebody who's seen it because they've seen it they get it they know it mm -hmm. um but like to me what this movie feels like and and again this this is part two of uh why i was hesitant to recommend this movie to you because i was like well mario if he's really gonna appreciate this he needs to see a lot of shitty 80s <laughs> and, and obviously as i discussed earlier i was like ah fuck it just like people are gonna see movies when they see them so fuck it doesn't matter ultimately but what this feels like to me is, like, this movie is the type of movie that you would find on VHS in the back room of a really sleazy VHS store in the 80s. Where they're like, it's it's like the bottom of the bargain bin. You're like, oh, this movie, like, n like nobody cared about this movie. Like, it's it's really fucked up, man. It's like about this, it's about this, like conjoint twin fetus that like grows <laughs> up and murders people man it's like fucked up you shouldn't see it you're too young to see this buddy like it's that kind of feel and and the beauty about those types of movies is like first of all there there are copious amounts of them like that that was like a big thing was like the, there's a term called video nasty uh that was a term that was used in the 80s and even into the early 90s the video nasty which is like back before we had technology like the internet the idea is that you would find vhs tapes in a back room of a of a v of a video store and it was like like it wasn't porn but it was close enough to porn in terms of like violence and people getting sexually assaulted and and like you know gritty like sleazy scuzzy really trashy movies and the allure of them was like you would rent them, but then you would like lend it to a friend. Like, hey, watch this tomorrow night because you got to give it back to me because I got to take it back to the store. Da, da, da. So what this movie to me, it's one of those movies. But what if fucking Warner Brothers got behind it and just gave $40 million to somebody to go make one of those movies? God. You know, like that, that's, what the, that's what malignant feels like to me. And, and not to say that it's like... Could, but but again it's like it's dealing with a lot of lurid subject matter it's just that james wan had 40 million dollars to play with and he didn't have to settle for like shitty cinematography and shitty actors and and all, all that kind of stuff yeah and 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 where where i think this really rings true and, and and you've talked about this i wish that i had mentioned this earlier but i'm i'm gonna finally mention it now is you 
you talk about the dialogue yeah and the script what i think is going on here and again i'm not gonna watch an interview with james wan because i want to believe that this is true don't do that to yourself man exactly don't do it i want to believe that the script is intentionally cheesy so that the actors are directed to play it 100% serious. And that's how you get this bonkers off the rails kind of movie. Yeah. Because when you, especially when you get to the end, when the, the, the twist happens, when we come around young Emily and we see Gabriel and his flapping little arms is like they, i want to call them fins they're not really fins but you like like the prosthetic is yeah fucked up. they're like, they're not a weird fucking puppet it's a weird dude and and you literally have the sister calling the detective going oh my god exposition 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 like, <laughs> is real he's a parasitic twin they yep. tried to cut him out but they couldn't get all of him and then even when like you get down to like she like she has the hospital bed thrown on top of her and she's like oh hey by the way because we haven't done anything with this information madison he's the reason you had your miscarriages i eating all of the fetuses so that, so that he yeah could that, that was the other like, <laughs> the other plot twist from? you know and and then even like when she's talking to the detective like oh my god he was dormant for all these years but then when Derek, that might not be his name, I don't remember, but when Derek threw her against the wall, it hit her head and woke him up again. I was like, this is a lot of information happening all of a sudden. It, it really and is. I, and and to to cherry on top, what, what I alluded to at the very beginning. Yes, I think Madison, I know where you're going. When Madison is cradling her sister's face oh, in her hand. Oh, can I interrupt you real quick? Interrupt you? Go ahead. Go ahead. Um, we've referred to this character as two different names. I've referred to her as Emily. Jeff is referring to her as Madison. They're the same character. She just got different Emily names when she got adopted. Name. Yeah. Madison was her adopted name. Continue. Yeah. Sorry, I was thinking about the audience. But when she's cradling her sister's hand, or her, her sister's face in her hands, and she said, all my life, I've wanted a blood relation to someone. But blood or not, you will always be my sister. Like, I have to imagine that that is written in the script intentionally to be fucking stupid. But James Wan is like, no, no, no. Like, like we're all on the, we're all in on it, right? Like, like we understand this is fucking stupid, but I want you to play it 100% seriously. And the same thing, same thing in the mental prison, like, like in the, in the mental space when she's like, like, fuck you, Gabriel, all the tricks that you used to play on me, I can play the same tricks. And then he's like, Oh, you can't keep me locked in here forever. One of these days I'll be back. And she's like, sure, you'll be back. But when you come back, I'll be ready for you. And then like slams the door. I'm like, bro, you have to know that this dialogue is fucking stupid. <laughs> and I like to imagine that James Wan literally has everybody like in a huddle right before they're about to shoot. And he's like, all right, game faces, everybody. Look me in the eye. We all know this is fucking stupid, right? But that's the point. Like, we're, we're all on the same page. It's supposed to be like this. Dude, it's just like a Fast and Furious movie. It really is. And, it and, and, really and is. I'm harkening back because, and, and Dude, holy shit. She used the power of family movie. to get super strong. Exactly. <laughs> and I did not 
why you missed the time perfectly because I'm looking at the stream and fucking Fast and Furious comes up, which he also directed. But I'm like, it's that same tone. Like it's not the same type of movie, but at the very least, it's that same tone of like, take this for what it fucking is. Stop thinking. Turn your brain off and just go. (laughs) Right. That was cool. That and then go on with the rest of and, your day. And that's why I kept on saying like the film is face value. Like do not because if you the more you think about the film, the more you're not going to like it. And I think that's what the audience like the general audience got. But and the reason I say okay, so uh, I think there was a movie that I complained Uh-oh. about. <laughs> so there, here's there's a stipulation with this. Like there are movies where it's you you can get mad at it for doing the thing. The fact that this one works, and I said this in the beginning, is because it stays consistent throughout the film. That same corniness is in the prologue, is at the same at the end of the film with all these weird lines and catchphrases and like lessons of the day. Like my like nowhere in the film did the sisters have a quarrel. Like, there was never a time where she's like, you're not my real sister! Get away from me! And then, like, runs away, right? And then the other sister's like, I don't care if you said I'm not the real sister. I'm still gonna go to Hogwarts and get the information that I need. (laughs) Like, no, there was never a time that stuff ever happened. But I, 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 I have to agree with Jeff in the fact that the dialogue reminds me so much of Star Wars prequels that he's using it... As a sound device, or I'm not going to say he's using it as a sound device, but he's using it as a story element for the film. Right. And, and because it, it's, again, it stays consistent the entire film that you have to realize, you, you have to ask yourself, is this intentional? <laughs> like, is yeah, this... <laughs> like, like, like the characters are so obviously feeling something for each other. Yeah. But I don't think at any point during this entire movie are you supposed to care about any of these characters. Exactly. Like, it's... Like, like e- e- even in, the, in, in that moment when uh, Gabriel shoots the sister in the head, which obviously, like... 10 seconds later is revealed like oh that's madison playing mind tricks on gabriel right. and, and the sister is totally fine like even then i was like oh i guess they killed the sister that's kind of fucked up same anyway, no i literally like, I, I wasn't like oh my god what the fuck well for me i was like i was like oh shit like i was like they killed her. I was not expecting her to die. I was like, good job. They got me. I didn't think she was going to die. And then whenever they were talking, yeah, Gabriel, yeah, whenever Gabriel was talking to his mom, um, I told Caitlin, I was like, oh, wait, uh, she's controlling Gabriel right now. And I was like, this was foreshadowing yeah. from before. Like, they explained this to us a lot. And that made me even like the movie even more because I was like, this didn't come out of left field. There's still, he's still, a, the only thing that comes kind of out of left field that comes very wonky and weird is the dialogue and it's which is yeah. weird to say because there's some weird shit in this film there's some weird stuff you made me watch mm-hmm. jeff <laughs> but the dialogue <laughs> i was waiting for it <laughs> but the dialogue is by far the craziest stuff in this film <laughs> uh yeah, and, and uh, so that part where Gabriel's mom 
speaks to him, which isn't Gabriel, which is essentially Madison or Maddie Madison. Yeah. Speak, uh, Maddie, speaking Maddie, as yeah. her mom, just to, I just to distract him, I suppose being like, Oh, I should have loved you. I should have never done this to you. I should have, I shouldn't have blah, 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 blah. Um, at that moment I was like, Oh, are they saying the message now? Is this the message of the film? And then it's like, psych, you should have never been born, bitch. And then throws him in jail. Well, well yeah, but and, 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 and it's that weird thing where like, like if you walk away from this and you're like, wow, that movie really got to me. Like, like, oh my God, nature versus nurture. Like we should really look after our children. Like, okay, fine. Like, like if you got something out of this movie, great yeah there was you know like yeah. like if you have a sibling that you haven't been close to for a long time and then you watch this movie and then when the credits start to roll you're like i'm gonna pull up my cell phone and call my sibling like hey i haven't talked to you in a while i i, I just wanted to let you know i've been thinking about you you know i i, I love you and i hope you're doing well okay cool but that's not the intent. Like, like it's not a message movie. Like, like this no, movie is not. here. This movie exists for you to go like, <laughs> that thing is flipping and jumping and parkouring and stabbing a bunch of police officers. Let me take on my uh, on this joint real quick. That's really fucking cool, man. <laughs> and, and I also like, think that's, that that's the, the movie that this is. The husband or the boyfriend is also like. A foreshadowing slash representation of Gabriel. Yeah. Uh, it, it like. In the sense of like the abuse and the controlling over. Uh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Madison and then her learning to like control herself. Like uh, it, there again, the movies. I don't want it to be taken too. I think the movie's fun to watch, and I think the movie does a good job with, like, foreshadowing symbolism and the meaning behind it. But it is not a... It's not a, um... The par- it's not a parody of Scary Movie. If that's, uh... Yeah, it, 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 you, it's not a parody kind of movie in general. What are those like, movies it, called? Well, well, well there's, a, there's a difference. Is it called there, Scary Movie? No, no, no. There's a dip. The I think the terms you're looking for are parody versus satire. So scary, like let's just scary movie. It is called scary movie. Yeah. Okay. Like that's that series of movies. So like scary movie is a parody of Scream. Scream is a satire of the horror genre. I uh, yes, then I agree. Yes, this movie yeah. would be considered like a satire. That's the yeah. Yes, okay. Like like for example, the boys, like the series, the boys is a that is a yes. satire of superhero movies. Agreed. But it's not a parody because like it still exists in its own. kind of a realistic world. There's not absurd, ridiculous shit happening. Yes. Okay. Which, to okay. Be fair, kind of contradicts what I just said because there's some ridiculous shit that happens in Malignant. Uh, but it anyway, is, yeah. But it's obviously not a parody. You know, a tree doesn't <laughs> a tree doesn't come to life and and, <laughs> and smoke a person as a blunt. That's the kind That's of true. Uh, <laughs> I want to watch those movies. <laughs> but cool, run, no. bitch, uh, run. <laughs> Uh, 
Yeah, there's. Uh, oh man. Oh man, I get the, those movies. Those I've I've seen. I think only the first two. He just wants a sandwich. I said a dollar, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, no, I'm just ranting. <laughs> okay. Malignant. Go watch it. Know that it's a satire. That's I. I think you know it's great. I think by the end of every one of these podcasts, we 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 learn, we figure out, we find the key that we were looking for the entire time. Yeah, almost every um, time. Like, there's always something that I'm like, "Hey, that's the answer I we I was looking for. That's the thing. We did it." And uh, yeah, like like if if you start watching, like I fully recommend this movie. And if you start watching it and you're thinking, wait, I thought this movie was going to be one way, but it's kind of another way. Just ride that wave, bro. Just ride that fucking wave. Go for it. I. And, um, that's and, exactly and, how I felt. And let it take you out to sea. <laughs> let it beautiful, take man. What, ride it. I agree. Um, I, those... I've said most of all. I don't know what why I'm pretending say. like I'm stoned all of a sudden, but like, like th- this movie is kind of a fever, tr- a fever you're... dream that you could only get when you're high. I can agree with that. I this isn't this isn't something that I'd like. This isn't something that I'd ever think up. Tell me how she got her powers, and then the movie's a ten out of ten. I'll be happy. <laughs> Give nope. me that. Nope. 10 it's out of 10. 10 out of 10. It, nope. uh, be like, even if it's like, even, no, so this movie, it's gonna, there's, there's gonna be six movies. Six, five more sequels. You gotta wait to the sequel. By the, I was gonna say. by the fourth, Cause. by the fourth sequel, it's gonna turn out that, uh, Gabriel was a parasite from space. And now the Gabriel lights are coming. Yeah. You know, Mario. Yep. Uh, I, I I don't mean this to start a completely different conversation, but did you know that James Wan has his own extended universe? I you know I, it wouldn't surprise me, honestly. Just by looking at these trailers, uh, <laughs> this I feel bad for anyone that's like watching this stream because I guess I've just been feeding nightmare fuel to them all night. Um, so looking so at these trailers, included, I'm like, some of these look connected. So what I included here were, um, in chronological order, the movies that he directed. Oh, that's uh, cool. And then I included like four, I want to say movies that he produced, but what I included in his producer trailers were movies that were not directly connected to movies that he had also directed. So, for example, he technically produced Conjuring Part 3, but he did not direct that. Mm. He technically produced Insidious Part 3 and 4. He did not direct those movies. Um, But what's weird, what's interesting, so The Conjuring has become its own Marvel level universe. Yeah. There's Conjuring 1, 2 and 3. But in the first Conjuring movie, there's this uh 
prologue scene about this possessed doll called Annabelle. And then Annabelle spawned her own movie, which then had two sequels. So that's six movies. Three Conjurings, three Annabelles. And then in The Conjuring Part 2, there are two characters introduced, which is The Nun, which is this, like, demonic spirit, which had her own spinoff movie. And then there's this character called the Crooked Man, which kind of became Gabriel, I want to say, because the Crooked Man was supposed to be, like, his own spinoff movie. But, like, Gabriel kind of exists in that way, because, like, technically, like, her limbs are all fucked up and contorted and stuff. Uh, but there's also so there's three conjurings, three Annabelles, the nun, and there's and then there's apparently this movie called The Curse of La Llorona. Yeah. Which I I don't remember from any of the conjuring movies, but that's a spin-off of the conjuring in some way. So like so, yeah, I'm Marvel getting I'm, got nothing on James Wan. <laughs> I'm getting my Gabrielites is what I'm hearing. Uh chat brings up Nightmare Fuel is fine by me. Once I'm out, I sleep like I'm dead. Pun, I'm assuming intended or not intended. I'm going to take it. The I'm kind of the same. I mean, I will... I don't know. I might dream of this. It depends if I eat right before bed. If I eat, then I um, I will dream. Uh, last thoughts, Jeff. Any last thoughts? Last remarks? Yes, just watch this movie. Uh, whether... You have seen, whether you like scary movies or you don't like scary movies, whether you know who James Wan is or not, this movie is going to give you a time. So just watch it. And you know what? It, it's like a roller coaster. It's, at a certain point, you just got to put your hands up and wait it out until the end, my man. All right. Hey, hey, that's a shift. That's a shift from uh, when you first recommended it. I think it's because I think us talking out, you finally got to talk to someone about the film. I think that helped. (laughs) But you heard it here. Recommended from both of us. Understand that the film's a satire. Have fun with it. Until next time. Play nice.